All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside, once again, the Twidwell Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 97 is absolutely on its way, guys. We, we, you know, we have all these holidays now on the weekends. This is actually as ironic as it is being a COVID year and everyone's inside or at least should be inside more often. This is the year where there's all these holidays lining up on Fridays and Saturdays, which is everyone's dream. Um, and of course our show is every Friday and people were asking us, are we not going to be doing this show? Are you guys not going to be doing the show on a normal basis on Fridays and Saturday or on, you know, on your normal nights? Guys, we haven't missed, we haven't missed a show since was it July of 2019. I have a hard time believing we're going to let some uh, new year's, you know, situation uh, cause us to, to not do our show, even in the midst of, I would say snow apocalypse at this point, cause we have zero snow. Uh, leading into today, and all of a sudden, what do you know? We wake up, and we're hoping for a, a Christmas, uh, a snowy Christmas. We end up getting our, a, a snowy 2021 to start things off. But nevertheless, we are here. How the hell are you guys doing today? You guys having fun? Doing yeah. good. Yes, Eddie, sir. Eddie was super glad to drive in today. I th- I th- he lives like 10 minutes from us and <laughs> said it took him about three times the amount of time that it normally does to get here. All You know, all the... The, the roads have not been touched at all. It's been rough as hell. And if you're listening to this, you know, in a couple of days from now, and you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, trust me when I'm saying, if you're not here in Kansas City with us right now, we are getting absolutely shit on by the snow gods. It's been unbelievably rough out here to this point today. But nevertheless, like I said, we are doing our show. We're glad to be here. We're so excited to have our guy Jay Binkley on from Six Ten Sports Radio as our first official guest of the 2021 year. Guys, this is actually our third year now. We're going in February. This will be our third full seat, third year of doing this show. Technically, I know it's going to be two seasons, two years, but we've been doing this since 2019. So I'm really excited, man, because this is going to be a this is going to be a good, good and fun year, guys. And I know there's a lot to talk about in the world of sports, so I don't want to waste any more of your time. But for all the live streamers that are still on hold, all the YouTubers, everybody that's, that's been missing our faces, and for all the OG podcasters that are listening to my voice right now, we want to thank all of you, each and every one of you for being a part of this and uh, hanging tough with us in this rough year. But I promise you guys, it is a new year. Hopefully some new and better things come our way. But, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of uh, turmoil, despite the fact that um, we've had so many good things going on as Chiefs fans here in Kansas City. And we've been talking about it, about, you know, the defense that we've put up uh, for our team against these talking heads on the national media spectrum. And, you know, I've been personally getting so upset and taking it as a personal offense to to correct a lot of these guys. And it's been very tough. And I, I say turmoil, I don't say that lightly, because it has been tough as a Chiefs fan to, to see your team win 23 of 24 and be on their way to, to repeat as champions. And they do have their struggles for sure. But but I, it has been tough to to accept listening to that a lot of time, and maybe it's just a, a personal issue of mine. Maybe it's something I'm not used to having such a great team here in Kansas City be downplayed and dismissed and discredited by a lot of people. But as I, as I go outside today in the nude, uh, doing my morning yoga in the snow, 
I found a little inner peace about all of this because the reality did set in. The, the Chiefs are still very much the team in the, dri- in the driver's seat. And, you know, I got caught up over this last week or two um, in regards to the draft because the, the Chiefs have a lot of needs to fill. We can sit here and talk about offensive line. We can sit here and talk about linebacker. We can sit here and talk about a lot of depth positions to fill. And the Chiefs are going to have to take care of that in this next year's draft. And I got so caught up by it. But then I had to remind myself also on the other side to not look so far ahead. Because for well, this is something we're not used to here in Kansas City. And I speak for myself, but I also know I'm speaking for a lot of people listening to this right now. At this time of year, we get so used to what we have seen all of our lives, which is the Chiefs can make the playoffs here and there, and you know, more than likely they're not going to get to the Super Bowl. Hell, not even to the AFC Championship more than one time in decades. So we start to look ahead. But we really need to captivate this moment for a second. And I know it's difficult because of the fact that the Chiefs are in a place where, although they do have the best record in the, in the entire NFL, they have the best quarterback in the entire NFL, arguably the best head coach, in my opinion, in the NFL, best tight end in the NFL, and easily a top three wide receiver in the NFL. A lot of good things are going on in Kansas City. But if we're going to be honest here for a second, and I like, I like to believe we're about as honest as it gets when it comes to sports podcasts, but if we're going to be honest here for a second, we all know good and well that the Chiefs have not been playing like the best team in the NFL. That would be the Buffalo Bills. The team that I, before the season started, did say that I believe they were going to be fa- facing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, and that is the way it is looking. We're going to get into our playoff seedings and our, our predictions. We're going to try to revise some of these things. We're going to stand tall on what we predicted earlier in the year, which, by the way, all three of us picked the same Super Bowl matchup. We'll see if that stands in, in, a, in an upcoming segment. But nevertheless, the Chiefs have not been playing great football, and I think we all can agree. I think it's been, what, six straight games or seven straight, seven straight victories of six points or less. See, there's a lot of different negative things you can take from that and say the Chiefs should be playing better. They need to be playing better. They, you know, The offensive line is, 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 is rushing Patrick Mahomes to have to make quicker decisions, or Patrick Mahomes is running into pressures, or you know the defense is spotty at times, or inconsistent. They play down to the level of the competition. That's the keynote for me right there is the Chiefs play to the level of their competition. Whenever you hear about your team playing to the level of their competition, that is always considered a negative thing. But today, I want to tell you, Chiefs fans, why that actually is a great thing based upon the way this team plays. The Chiefs played five playoff teams this season. Four of them were on the road. And the Chiefs beat all five of those teams. We all know that the Chiefs only lost one game. It was to the Raiders. That is one of the, I would say, one of the flukiest games the Chiefs have had in years. And I'm even going back to the Alex Smith days. The Chiefs don't have those types of games against teams that don't make the playoffs. It's just not how they play. But the five games that I want I want you guys to fixate on is why I want you to be extremely excited about the upcoming playoffs with this Kansas City Chiefs team, despite the fact they are not playing their best football. And we also have to look back to a season before. Which, by the way, I, I think we all could agree that this Chiefs team in 2020 is a better football team than they were in 20, 2019. By record, by I think in totality, maybe not the offensive line, but as a whole, I think they're a better team. You have to look at the fact that when the Chiefs have to play their best, they have. 
against the Saints. Was it an ugly game? Yes. But the Chiefs went in there and dropped 32 points against arguably the best defense in the NFL. When they had to play the Dolphins, Patrick Mahomes had a horrific first quarter. His Probably his worst quarter of his career with multiple interceptions. When he had two going into the damn game. They go in there and drop 33 points on arguably the best defense in the AFC. I think now the number one ranked defense in the NFL in the Miami Dolphins. When they played Baltimore early in the season, and everyone was picking the Baltimore Ravens in that game. Fans in the stands or not. It was in Baltimore. It was early in the season. The Ravens wanted their revenge on the Chiefs. The same story that we've heard for the last three seasons. The Chiefs went in there and dropped 34 points. They went into Buffalo earlier this year. The team that everyone is praising, and I get it because Josh Allen is playing MVP football. Stephon Diggs is maybe the best wide receiver in football right now. They are playing great football. The Chiefs went in there and won by nine, and they did it methodically. Patrick Mahomes, I think he had 229 yards and uh, two touchdowns, and they won by nine. They held Josh Allen to under 20 points. And the Chiefs have looked beyond everybody else. I know they did not play well against the Falcons this last, and it leaves a sour taste in our mouths going into the playoffs, especially now that we know that Patrick Mahomes and the majority of the starters will not be playing in Week 17 against the Chargers. I understand it because I feel the same way, guys. But we have to remember the long game here. We have to remember what we've been saying on the show over and over again. The Chiefs are going to get, at the least, an A effort from every opponent they face, no matter who that opponent is. And a lot of times you're going to get an A-plus game from a lot of these opponents because they know this is their Super Bowl. This is their chance to knock down the king. And the Chiefs are the king. There are 16 games on every schedule, but there are there are certain games that you need to look at the most and pay attention to the most and see how the Chiefs played in those games. And against playoff teams this year, Patrick Mahomes completed 71% of his passes, 344 yards per game, had 14 touchdowns, only four interceptions, with a 114 quarterback rating. Those are by far better than his, his season numbers, and his season numbers are should damn near get him the MVP, in my opinion. Six points higher in his in his quarterback rating, over forty five yards more per game in his yards per game uh, category, and that's three touchdowns a game, almost three touchdowns a game, which is almost more, almost a whole touchdown more than what he averages per game. And we all know this game is going to come down to what? Not the Chiefs, whether they can run the ball or not, not whether the defense is going to hold an opponent to ten points or not. It's going to come down to can Patrick Mahomes. Make the plays. Can he keep this team in contention? I don't know about you guys, but since week five, have we seen the Chiefs drop drop a game? Have we seen them take an L? No. And we've seen them take on four playoff teams since that game. And they've averaged over 31 points per game against those playoff teams. Going undefeated on the road. Having arguably the, the hardest stretch in the history of the NFL on the road. Having easily one of the schedule, easy hardest schedules in the NFL this season. Already having the mark on their back, the target on their back as the defending champions. Having everyone and their mother talking about them on the national circuit. Trying to find ways to downplay what they're doing. People talking about they're vulnerable despite winning. Talking about how they're not winning stylistically. It's not sexy, so therefore there must be problems. 
But there is one consistent through all of it that no one can ignore, no one can downplay, no one can manipulate, no one can t- t- take away from the fact of the fact that the Chiefs continue to win games. And if we're going to sit here and romanticize what took place this last season, and trust me, I do all the time. I love watching the highlights of the old of the playoffs in 2019. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me as a Chiefs fan. But if we go back to those times, we will remember that in all three playoff games, the Chiefs were down double digits. They were down 24 to nothing to a Texans team. They ended up blowing out by 20. They go down 10 to the Titans at home this the very next game and ended up winning by double digits. They're down double digits with minutes to go in the Super Bowl and then end up winning by double digits. I don't want to sit here and oversimplify things or excuse the mistakes or the errors or the problems that the Chiefs do have because they do have them, just like every other team. But the difference between the Chiefs and every other team is that they have Patrick Mahomes. They're the defending champions. We watch games together. Trevor, Eddie, and myself watch games together almost every week. And we come away tired, exhausted, frustrated because this team doesn't play good football a lot of times, especially of late. But what have we all been hanging our hats on after every single game? They got the job done. And in this business and in this game, that is all that matters. We may not like the way it happens. We may not like the way they put them together. But I promise you, there is not going to be a single team in these playoffs more motivated, more driven, and more prepared than the Kansas City Chiefs. This is not a one-off team. This isn't a team that was on their last leg. They got some miracle push at the end of the season and won the Super Bowl last year. This is a team that is still very much on the rise. I don't believe we've seen the best of Patrick Mahomes. And he's already the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I don't think Andy Reid has put his best foot forward when it comes to offensive scheming this year. I don't think the defense has played their best football yet. You can call me an overly optimistic person. I call myself a person that's seen this team overcome each and every obstacle that has come their way over the last two seasons. And until somebody can prove me otherwise and tell me I'm wrong and that the Chiefs are not currently on a 10-game winning streak and and did go undefeated against playoff teams and did go undefeated on the road, until you can prove me otherwise, I'm going to stand on this hill. And I'll gladly die on it. Because there's not a team in the AFC right now in the playoff picture that scares me. There's not a single team in the playoffs, period, that scare me. Are there worthy opponents? Yes, absolutely. And we can list them off and we're going to talk about them today. But there is not a single team that I have more faith in. And honestly, if we're all going to sit here as Chiefs fans listening to this right now, there should be no fan that would be willing to trade our situation here in Kansas City over any other situation in the NFL. Because even though we have offensive line problems, even though there are inconsistencies outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill when it comes to weapons, even though Coach Andy Reid likes to flex his dick a little too much every once in a while and do these stupid-ass temptation uh, renditions on fourth and one on the, in, in the red zone, all that aside, are you really going to trade the opportunity to have Patrick Mahomes leading your team into the playoffs? I'm going to answer that for you. No, you're not. 
I know we have another week of regular season football to go, guys, but we're playing with house money at this point. And the Chiefs own the casino. So I hope you're ready for this, guys, because I am. I wish we could skim through this next week, but we need to sit back and enjoy the accomplishments that this team has, has already taken on, already taken home, and I promise you more are coming home with it. Stay tuned, guys. I hope you're ready. And we have a fun show for you guys because, like I said, our guy Jay Binkley is waiting to get on this show and give us drop some knowledge with us as we talk about the Chiefs, not just the regular season, but obviously the playoffs coming up. I cannot wait to get Bink's thoughts on the potential playoff, mat- playoff matchup that the Chiefs will have in the divisional round. We're going to break all that stuff down. We're going to have his review a preview on the divisional round and obviously a review on the season as a whole. Is he worried about things? Maybe he's not as optimistic as, as, as I am. Maybe he's even more optimistic. We're going to find out, and I cannot wait to find out. So we'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We are very excited to have our guest. And one of, I mean, I think it's safe to say friend of the show. I think this is like the fourth or fifth time now we've had Bink on the show. Our guy from Sports Radio 610, Jay Binkley. Let's give it up for our guy. It is a new year. It is a brand new season practically for all of us here in the, in the media world. Bink, how the hell are you doing, my man? It's good, guys. I can't see you guys, but I guess you can see me. Well, we actually, yeah, happy we're happy New Year to you, brother. Yeah, we didn't want to, we didn't want to, you know, see you, you to see me in my house clothes. You know what I mean? I, I try to keep all that to myself. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't have, I can't have people screenshot and stuff like that, and getting it out to the people. Well, it's tradition of New Year's that. Day that we all, you know, wear our birthday suits. Yeah, like I, I was telling the guys earlier, I did my nude yoga out here in the snow. <laughs> to, you know, try to get myself Nobody prepared for this that. type of, you know, episode, man. You know, we got Binkley on. We got to make sure we bring our A game. You know, and, and, and speaking of A games. We all knew that we all knew all season long coming into this season with the Chiefs being defending champs that they were going to get A plus effort and a lot of times A games from the teams they face each and every week. And as the season progressed, we noticed the Chiefs started to win games by less and less. The, the point differential went from I believe it was thirteen points a game they were winning games by to I think six to four. I mean it's 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 really dwindled. But at the same time, the, the most important part of all this bank is the fact that the Chiefs continue to win and are currently on a 10-game winning streak and have won, I believe, 23 of 24. But Binkley, are, are you on the side that more leans on, you know, the Chiefs really need to get stuff straight or they're going to lose earlier than we all expected? Or are, is this team going to be fine and we're going to see them host another Lombardi for a consecutive year? Well, I think they're going to be fine. And you think about the two weeks before that Atlanta game, they put up 65 points against the number two and number four scoring defense in the NFL. And there's two ways to look at it. The, the glass of Coke is half empty or it's half full. And I think the national media looks at it as half empty. Uh, But you talk to any former player and they all say winning is winning in this league. It's tough to win games 
in the NFL. And even Rich Gannon this week was like, no, it'll make them better in the postseason. And I agree. You find a way to win games. Losers find a way to lose games. And same thing with baseball. These teams that lose games consistently, you know, in that seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, there's a lot of teams like that. But the teams that find a way to win are much different. The Chiefs are finding ways to win. And you just can't substitute 23 of 24 games. And, yeah, they ran it back with their players this year. Yeah, they ran it back with the coaching staff this year. But they also ran it back with the belief they can come back from large deficits. You know, when the stage is the brightest or the biggest, the, the lights are the brightest, down 24, down 10, down 10, won the games, 10 comeback wins this year. Patrick Mahomes 8-1 and one as a starter when down 10 points. At the same time, the rest of the NFL, 160 winning percentage when down 10 points, 68-135. So you're finding a way to win games, and I think people are losing sight with the fact there are W's next to the games, and there's no style points category in the standings. Yeah, so you're talking about five, five, five and zero oh against playoff teams this year, having arguably the most impressive run on on the road in a single season we've ever seen, uh, averaging 31 points per game against uh, playoff teams this season. Patrick Mahomes had his best numbers against playoff teams this season. I, I don't think that the worry should be about Patrick Mahomes and whether he's going to be able to lead this team further. But uh, Binkley, you you know this game, and, and you're a big interior guy. You know you you focus big time on on offensive lines and defensive lines and. Uh, two things I want to get from you on this and, and this question is, do you believe with, with the makeshift offensive line the Chiefs have had, are they going to be able to give enough to give Patrick Mahomes the opportunity? Does Patrick Mahomes look shook behind this offensive line enough to give you concern? And on the defensive side of things, I feel that they have really come alive in the front seven over this last month. Not that they've been terrible this season, but they've really come alive. And for the second straight season, they've come up, they've really put into that. They've really put themselves in a playoff motion late into the year. Is that, is that what you're seeing from the defensive side as well? Yeah. I mean, I love the way they're winning the light of the scrimmage. They've had four sacks in two of the last three games, 12 quarterback hits this last game. Matter of fact, quarterback knockdowns, which is a stat they keep on pro football reference. They're tied at number one in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers with 61. So mm-hmm. they do get to the quarterback. They do knock them down at times. It sometimes gets overlooked, but they're winning the line of scrimmage. In seven last nine games, they've allowed 104 yards rushing or fewer. The only team that run for 104 yards in those games is the Denver Broncos. They have actually beaten everybody in rushing the last three weeks as far as teams running. Now, in offense, the sack numbers aren't big for Patrick Mahomes. They're 23rd in the NFL in quarterback sacks. But he scrambles, and it's actually where he's the best when he gets out of that pocket and the play breaks down. So it's kind of one of those catch twenty twos that, yeah, I do think they could block him better, block for him better. But again, when he gets out of that pocket, it's when he when he does the most damage. Um, I think they haven't exactly. I am curious to see what the offensive line is going to look like in the postseason, because um, I felt a little bit like a baseball manager. You know, never knew at seventh and eighth inning guys. You ask them in April and May, and they say wait till June till they can get it figured out. I, when Stefan Wisniewski came in at right guard against the Saints, they ran for the second most yards they ran for this year, 179. And I like that. I like the fact that they were blocking Wisniewski. He's got a little bit of nasty to him. I think the loss of Coleccio Simile was big for this team because, you know, he packed the punch there at left guard. And Wisniewski was starting at right guard, and he's typically a left guard. Started left guard for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Started left guard for the Eagles uh, in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But you know, I'm not sure, you know, at what expense. Allegretti, I think, has been playing well. He's been playing tough. But Wisniewski has the more experience. Andrew Wiley has been a solid starter this year. You know, the dream would be having Mitch Schwartz back, but I don't know if we can we, we can count on that. But uh, 
I don't think they've put their best offensive line combination together. I'm curious what it's going to look like much healthier with a couple of weeks rest. Well, it sounds as if the Chiefs have some really good news on the horizon with uh, r- rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, it sounds as if, according to reports uh, from local media, that he is on. He's actually ahead of schedule and uh, can very well play in the divisional round. How much of a difference do you think it's going to make? Because I mean, Darrell Williams has played pretty decent in the stead of Clyde, and and and, and you need combo pack it with Le'Veon Bell and his abilities that we've seen throughout the years. If if Clyde isn't able to go now, obviously we don't know who the Chiefs are going to face in the in the division round at this point. But if let's say Clyde is it has a setback and he's not able to go in the divisional round, are you concerned that this run game won't be able to give them enough uh, without his abilities out there? No, I'm not concerned about uh, that at all. That's uh, one of those things that uh, you know the running game is going to be a byproduct. As I'm watching Najee Harris just completely jump over a Notre Dame defender, that was an impressive <laughs> run. I mean, I haven't seen their jump like that. But he jumped clearly over him, goes to the end zone. Speaking of running the football. But uh, I'm not so concerned about it. Matter of fact, you know, we'll see what Le'Veon Bell's status is going forward. He's a guy that maybe can produce some punch in the postseason. Getting Clyde back is certainly an advantage. But we know this team is through the air where the damage will be done. Having Clyde back will be such a, a great mixture. But I'm not so worried about it. After all, it was uh, it was uh, Le'Veon Bell there. He was in on a, on a crucial drive in that Saints game when they went up 14 to nothing. They had him split out wide in the slot. And he was the guy that was icing the game away uh, for the Chiefs um, as well at the end of that Saints game. But uh, I have no fear in this running game. They've been doing it by committee. I mean, you look at their rushing yards and what they've done, uh, you know, getting getting into rounds from Tyree Kill or McCole Hardman or Patrick Mahomes, you know, ending up with 30 yards rushing at the day. And all of a sudden the Chiefs are in for 139 yards. That's just something what they do is manufacture the running game. I want to get your thoughts on on a particular uh, play with the, with the in the Atlanta Falcons game week sixteen. The Chiefs were it was it was a tight ball game zero zero and the Chiefs are in the red zone. We know that they've had their red zone struggles this season for whatever reason. And it's fourth and one, and we see a almost a copy and pasted version of what the Chiefs did in the Super Bowl. Now that Super Bowl play ended up working out with this little nineteen forty eight spin move that Andy Reid pulled out of the holster from way back. And unfortunately, this time around, Sammy Watkins throwing an interception, trying to get Patrick Mahomes in the end zone. Uh, I know it's fun. I know it's exciting. And I know some fans try to defend it. Personally, I I could not stand that play in that moment. It's zero to zero. I know that the Chiefs didn't technically need need that victory to still clinch the one seed. But for me, it's a game where you still have all your starters in there. You're you're, you're trying to play your best football at the end of the season. And I felt like that play just kind of showed that, you know, maybe this team's just bored. Maybe they're so confident that they're just bored and they're just out there just trying to get through games just to try to get to the playoffs. Was that the sense you got? Or do you feel like maybe Andy Reid is really trying to experiment with some things? Well, I just think they're trying to experiment some things, throw it out there that they still have it because they hadn't run it all season. Like that play had not been in the uh, playbook all season. We thought maybe we'd see it. We haven't seen it. But I think what they, I think what they would have done is, uh, you know, with the uh, third and one, the Clyde Edwards delay ran for 11 yards, or excuse me, Darrell Williams ran for 11 yards. They can pick those up without doing those plays, but I think they thought it would be open. I think it was, you know, Atlanta Falcons secondary is 31st in the NFL. You know, we haven't had an opportunity to run it yet, and they ran it. Um, I don't think they'll be doing that in the postseason. I just think that, uh, I just think they thought the play might have worked. Well, they speak- need to find somebody else to throw a ball, though, because we've seen Kelsey <laughs> throw the ball. We've seen uh, we've seen Kelsey throw the ball. We've seen Tyreek Hill throw the ball. 
McCole Hardman used to be a high school quarterback, you know, so let's, let's maybe see that one next. Well, and speaking of another person throwing the ball, the Chiefs have officially a new starter this week. It is the Henny era, if you will. Uh, it begins week 17. Really excited for this one. Uh, you know, the Chiefs are playing with house money in this one. That's why we're going to see a lot of guys sitting. I'd be shocked if, if any uh, starters of any significance are going to play. It sounds like Travis Kelsey won't be inactive, at least to this point, but I have a hard time believing he's going to be out there and getting a lot of snaps. Nevertheless, uh, this game doesn't have a lot of meaning to it unless you're looking at it from a perspective of these young players that may may actually play some pivotal roles, in particular with Willie Gay Jr. Uh, and, and Juan Thornhill, I'd imagine he's going to get out there and get some snaps as well, unless they've already inactivated. I haven't seen that or not. But what, what are you going to look for in this game? Being, because I know you're going to be paying attention. I know you're going to be looking for something. Is, is it going to be the youth and seeing where these guys do and the opportunities they get? Or is there something else you might be looking for in this Week 17 matchup? Most important is hell. Get out of this game with the Chargers. You know, unscathed because you need a lot of these guys, whether they're backups or whether you need it for depth. You've seen the COVID list. I mean, guys just continue to get it as of today. You're going to need depth at some point. Uh, injuries are concerning, but, you know, get out there with health. And not only that, let's see Willie Gay some more, Darius Harris. You know, Darius Harris getting his first NFL experience on defense last week. Willie Gay having his best game. I thought the defensive line was coming well. We'll see some Turk Wharton, see some Mike Dana. Let's get the experience for a lot of these guys. Let's face it, didn't get a lot of playing time in certain situations because these games have been so close. You know, had they been, you know, maybe boat racing a few teams uh, down the stretch to see those guys, get them some action. But uh, I just want to see some of the younger guys. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a preseason, like a preseason game for a lot of these guys, but it's a regular season game uh, with the opponent really won the win. Well, now we didn't, we got to you know shift our gears to the, the the playoffs, obviously. But before we get into the playoffs, I wanted to get your thoughts because I know you're you're a draft guy. You know, you're you're, you're already pro- you're probably on mock seventy five right now, I'd imagine. But it's no longer just the Chiefs, in my opinion, that are putting the pressure on the AFC West. Now that the the Chargers have found their quarterback and Justin Herbert, I feel like this is putting significant pressure on teams like the Broncos and Raiders because I don't believe either one of those teams have answers at at quarterback especially the Broncos now I know you you believe in Drew Locke a lot more than other people do I personally don't I don't see it I think he's got plenty of talent around him and I think that he has failed far more than he has succeeded in a lot of ways and a lot of opportunities he's been given how how do you see things playing out uh in this draft with the with the Broncos we had Zach Stevens from DNVR Sports uh, come on our show multiple times uh, during this season. And he was of the belief that if Drew Locke doesn't do things better as the season progresses, that he does believe John Elway is going to exercise an opportunity to potentially get a veteran quarterback in or even try to utilize that draft pick early in the draft for another quarterback. How do you, though, Bink, see it playing out? Well, they should get another quarterback. Listen, I think Drew Locke's got a ton of talent. He's got a lot of arm strength. Uh, the guy wants to you know, set an SEC record before it was beaten by Joe Burrow in touchdown passes. He can do the job. It's just he can't do the job with Vic Fangio. And I said that from the beginning. That wasn't going to work with Vic Fangio and Drew Locke. I, I knew from the comments he made after that Hall of Fame game it wasn't going to work. He's on his fourth offensive coordinator in the last four years. Um, I think he will have a, a career in the NFL, whether it's a backup, but he needs the right people, and they don't have the right people in place. So they can draft another quarterback. They can sign a veteran quarterback. All I know is one thing is Broncos will find a way uh, to screw it up. Drew Locke is not that bad. You put him with a more capable head coach, and it's much different. But the Raiders, Derek Carr, he, this team's terrible. They were 6-4 and four last year, and people were giving them props. Uh, this is why after that Raiders win, I would say bring them on again. I want to see the Raiders. People are like, yeah, you sure you want to see the Raiders again? I'm like, yeah, because they're going to collapse down the stretch. 
And that's exactly what they did is they collapsed down the stretch exactly like they did last year. That team's going nowhere with Derek Carr. And they weren't even challenged by playing out in the cold where he's 0-10 when it's less than 50 degrees. Uh, the Chargers are going places. And if I was them, I would pay, put the Brinks truck back to get Eric Bieniemy there as my head coach. Um, Anthony Lynn is not the answer there. I know that Eric Bieniemy would have a choice to be in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But let's face it, everybody likes a good challenge. And if you're the Chargers, what candidate can you find that's been at, in Kansas City every single day with Andy Reid other than Eric Bieniemy? What coach has been every day with Patrick Mahomes besides Eric Bieniemy? Your biggest threat in this division is Eric Bieniemy. And uh, to me, it's a uh, very simple uh, a way for the Chargers to kind of combat that, and that's hiring EB. John Gruden's got another seven seasons on his contract with the Raiders. Do you see him fulfilling all ten seasons, or how far do you think he gets into this this contract? Because I have a hard time believing he keeps this pace up, even though him and Mark Davis are very tight. I can't imagine he's going to get a decade of winning six to seven games a season. He's not. I mean, he's got a worse winning percentage in the first three years than Tom Cable and Jack Del Rio. I mean, it's bad, but, you know, they, they owe him a lot of money. And, you know, four years, five years down the road, the it becomes more manageable uh, to buy out John Gruden of his contract. It's their fault for giving that contract in the first place, knowing, you know, they're locked in for that cash. But uh, I, I think that team has definite – I love the weapons that team possesses. I mean, I love the wide receivers. There's parts of that offensive line I really like. I love Darren Waller at tight end. They have no defense, and they've tried to draft that with – Abram and, and Cleveland Farrell and Trayvon Mullen getting these guys in for the defense, but the, Paul Gunther didn't put a good defensive plan for them together. But the, the Raiders are further behind the eight ball than a lot of people thought they were. The Chiefs have two weeks essentially off. Patrick Mahomes is going to have over 20 days of rest. I know a lot of people are concerned about that because they don't want him to come in rusty. For me personally, I, I'd rather deal with rust than the injuries. Uh, the last time Patrick Mahomes had over 20 days off, he was recovering from a knee injury last season. He came into Tennessee and blew the doors off. Now, the Chiefs did lose that game because of a lot of coaching blunders and a lot of special team blunders and a meltdown at the end by the defense. Patrick Holmes had nothing to do with that loss, if you ask me. He had an absolute absurd game. Uh, but but I, I don't want to ask about the Rusk. I want to talk about matchups here, Binkley. I know everyone asks the question, who would you rather see? Who do you fear the most? I just want to know who the hell are the Chiefs going to face in the division round because there are several moving pieces with all this. There's going to be absolute chaos for Week 17. I know the NFL is loving this because this is what they want. They want climatic Week 17 games. The Chiefs to the NFL are boring because they've pretty much sealed up sealed this up two weeks ago. But I want to ask you, I mean, you're talking about the Colts, you're talking about the Dolphins, the Browns, the Titans. There are several, the Ravens. I mean, the Chiefs could face any of these teams in the divisional round. Who do you see the Chiefs facing in the divisional round? How do you see the matchup going? That's a great question. I mean, there's more scenarios that they've had in the last 30 years. I mean, they had that extra playoff team has added that. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I think the Chiefs are the better team than any single person or team that they would face, and I don't. There's not really one team that scares me, to be honest with you. Uh, the only team that's going to beat the Chiefs are themselves. That's that's the only team that's going to hurt this team. Uh, the Colts are a team that, you know, with Costanzo being out, I like that offensive line. Um, they're iffy. Phillip Rivers, 14 and 15 against the Chiefs in his career. But it's that, uh, I guess it's the Colts and the history that uh, is more of the boogeyman to me than the actual team. Uh, I know the Chiefs beat them a couple years ago in the playoffs. The Ravens don't really scare me. The Chiefs just have their number. Uh, they even call them the kryptonite. The Chiefs are dancing in their head um, at this point. 
But uh, the Titans don't even scare me because, you know, the Chiefs have been able to stop Derrick Henry. And you stop him and you force Ryan Tannehill to beat you. And Ryan Tannehill goes how Derrick Henry goes. So I I think the number one uh, challenge for the Chiefs in the postseason is themselves. That's good. That's that's yeah. That's what I've been saying for the last two years, actually. But uh, going around the league, though, now in the playoffs as, as they're coming about, the the Packers, everyone's darling from the NFC side of things. That you know they now they have a surprise injury at their left tackle, their incredible left tackle, David Bakhtiari, uh, looks to he's torn his ACL. Um, this is going to be something I think can can potentially really shake things up because the Packers are are fully reliant on that offensive line to make things work. Aaron Rodgers has been great. But he's had a lot of time in the pocket to perform. He's also had an incredible run game. This can change a lot of things. How do you see the NFC side of things shaking up, Bink? Uh, I actually like the Saints coming into it. That was my Super Bowl prediction before the season began. I love their roster from top to bottom. And I I think they're the only team actually in the NFL that's better suited uh, if there was an injury to their starting quarterback or COVID hit. Just Taysom Hill, say what you want about him, but he is an NFL caliber starting quarterback and Jameis Winston they they boast uh three quarterbacks that have started in the NFL um a lot more than other teams could say but the best pass blocking offensive line um in the NFL I look at the Colts and Packers um as those teams back the is going to be huge and a big time for blocking for Aaron Jones for that team I fear the pet the the Saints the most because I think the roster's the deepest although Drew Brees you never know what you're going to get uh, there's a little bit of a rusty Drew Brees that I think we saw uh, the Buccaneers, if you look at weighted DVOA, it's the Bucs and the, and the uh, Saints. I think the Bucs can be extremely dangerous, but they're too, too Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for me. They look good and they don't. And I see a lot of that with the Saints, with, with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. They're up and they're down, but when they're on, they can really beat you. The thing I like most about the Saints, though, is that defense. And the Chiefs were able to score over 30 points against that defense. That Saints defense is no joke, um, and it's been consistent all year round. That is the team. You know, if they can muster up 21 points and or find a way to get to 24 points and have that defense play like they can, that could be a dangerous team in the NFC. Well, if you look at the you look at the Chiefs, everyone knows that that Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are the ultimate targets for Patrick Mahomes. But in your opinion, Bink, who of the of the receiving options outside of those two obvious players? needs to step it up the most in the playoffs in order for the Chiefs to succeed? Because I think Sammy Watkins is the easy answer, but Sammy Watkins is is battling with injuries. He's got another hamstring injury. Is it McCole Hardman? Is it Demarcus Robinson? Is it Deion Yelder? I mean, where are they at when it comes to that third option? Who is the guy that you, you anticipate and should step it up for the playoff push? Well, I'm hoping it'll be Sammy Watkins because he has been money for this team in the postseason. He's played five games. He's averaging almost 93 yards per game in those playoff games. He had the one, he said 114 twice, including the in the title game. I'm hoping he comes back. I'm hoping this is a precautionary thing. It is the cap this time that he comes back. But Demarcus Robinson shows those flares when he, you know, can consistently catch the ball. Uh, McCole Hardman, I think, could be that Swiss Army knife for him. It gets that confidence in them. And once he's got confidence, it's extremely valuable football players. So uh, I would say. Hardman, I know teams value Watkins, and that's the guy they want to they want to take out of an offense. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think either any one of them. I think Watkins is, is ahead of those two. Um, if I was going to rank them, I'd say Watkins, then Hardman, then Demarcus Robinson would be my confidence level. 
Couple more questions for you, Bink. We'll get you out of here, man. We appreciate your time on New Year's Day. Um, the Chiefs have some significant issues at offensive line. We know that, but they also going to have some big decisions in this offseason as to far what they're going to do, in particular with the tackle position. Uh, Eric Fisher more likely will be back next season, even though he's got, I believe, one year left on his deal. And then you have Eric Short, or Eric, uh, you have Mitchell Schwartz on a one-year deal after this season, and his back is. I, it sounds to me like he's cooked. It sounds to me like he's he's really pushing the the uh, the retirement button. That's at least how it's sounding. At, at worst, Kansas City won't be having him come back next season. How, how do you see the Chiefs facilitating their offensive line next season? Is it just going to be a an overhaul? Are they going to try to you know piece it back together, hoping maybe LDT tries to come back next season? Because the Chiefs will save eight million dollars if they let go of Mitchell Schwartz this offseason. How do you see it shaking out? I see Fisher coming back. I see uh, Ryder coming back. Kilgore, Kilgore was going to retire anyway until Veach called his, at his house in Tennessee. But he, he's, you know, an asset. Alec Ruddy, definitely, with the experience he got, you'll see him next year. Andrew Wiley, I, I think they'll go the free agent route uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to line. But I think they're going to draft as well. They got Lucas Thiang coming back that opted out this season. So they'll have him fresh. And you know, had a little bit of injuries there at TCU, and he'll be 100% fresh next season. Uh, the right tackle position will be interesting. I mean, it's, you can only get so much out of Mike Rimmers for so long. He's been playing so long. But I, I think their, their first pick in the draft this year will be on the offensive line. You add Niang, and I don't think they're done. I think in the fourth round, somewhere like that, they'll grab another line. But I can see him going the free agent route as well, like they did with Schwartz. Okay, so you're you're definitely not on the Martinez Martinez Rankin uh, bandwagon because our guy Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride swears up and down he thinks Martinez Rankin has a legit shot of being a starting offensive lineman. Do you agree? Well, I mean, I just haven't seen enough of him, but yeah, I mean, the potential's there. They like him, so I, I would never rule that out. Uh, you see Durant that's here that needs some more experience. I mean, I, just, I mean, I'm okay with Rankin. I mean, the guy can be a player. I'm not opposed to that at all. I'm just saying if you want to create some real competition. Uh, but, yeah, I would throw him in that mix. Absolutely. He's got some serious potential. You want to talk about in the mix. This this entire MVP discussion, and I'm going to leave you off on this one, Bink. Uh, it, Trevor, I, he's been telling me up and down, stop talking about it. It doesn't matter. Let's worry about the Super Bowl and, and Patrick Mahomes getting the Super Bowl MVP. But, Bink, I can't quit this conversation, man, because I feel like our guy is being disrespected here. Aaron Rodgers has six more touchdowns this season than Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers also has six more one-yard touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes this season, and that has been the driving point. We don't know what the MVP is based on year in and year out, but we do know that it's always about storylines and narratives, and I understand that Aaron Rodgers has been unreal. I predicted it before the season. I said he'd have his best season since 2011, and what do you know? This is arguably his best season of his career. But Patrick Mahomes, to me, has been the more valuable player because he has had to carry more, and everyone talks about his weapons, but there is a misconception here between the two because you're talking about Aaron Rodgers having arguably the best wide receiver in the league, one of the best running backs in the league, a running game, and an elite offensive line. Patrick Mahomes has not had an elite running a game. He's not had an elite offensive line. He's had to save this team from a lot of horrific moments that could have been losses, but because of his greatness, he got him out of that. Who is your MVP, and who do you see being the MVP in this season? My MVP would be Patrick Mahomes, without a doubt. I think the winner of the MVP is going to be Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be unfortunate, uh, except the, you know that one year they did split him between Kurt Warner and Steve McNair, so it has been done before. But uh, Patrick Mahomes my MVP. I mean, you don't win as many games as what he does. Um, he, he Look at what he's done at the end of games. 
You know, you can go back to that Raiders game, you know, leading the touchdown drive in Tampa, you know, killing the clock, running for a couple first downs, hitting Tyree Kill third and seven. It's, you know, leading the Denver Broncos with, they had six minutes when he got it, left at uh, five minutes, or no, a minute left and no timeouts. But every single game, he hits Demarcus Robinson last week for the game winning touchdown. But he keeps doing it week in and week out, and nobody, and I mean nobody, has played the amount of quality teams the Chiefs have. Look at the way to deal with DVOA. Chiefs are forward. They beat one, two, and five. No other team can come close to saying that. Winning games on the road is incredibly difficult, and the Chiefs are doing it against playoff teams in Tampa, in New Orleans, in the Baltimore Ravens, in the Buffalo Bills. No other quarterback can say that to me. It's uh, not even a contest. Uh, I guess it will be a contest because of the numbers, but realistically, it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still waiting for somebody to let me know when uh, Patrick Mahomes had a game where he completed 45% of his passes with 160 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Here's the other thing, too, Lance. <laughs> yeah. Here's the other thing, too, Lance. Find me another quarterback that has lost a game by more than one possession because they all have. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes in his career has never lost a game by more Insane. than one possession. I mean, it was eight points with the Raiders, but it's still one possession. Aaron Rodgers played Tom Brady and was bombed 38 to 10. Yep. Patrick Mahomes beat Tom Brady. Find me a quarterback that hasn't lost by more than one possession, and I'll tell you a quarterback that doesn't exist. I get. I guess Patrick Mahomes just needs to throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns every year in order for him to even be in the consideration. But nevertheless, he can rest. <laughs> never, nevertheless, uh, we're sitting at 14 and one. Then here in Kansas City, Chiefs are looking really good and primed and ready to win another Super Bowl. Binkley, we really appreciate you, man. I, I always love when you come on the show because I always feel like I'm oh, learning something too. new. You're the best, man. I really appreciate it. Three guys in a garage. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, Three Guys in a Garage. He's on 6. I don't, I don't even want to tell people when to find you on 610 because I feel like you're on every damn show. Just turn on the radio. He's but, yeah, just just listen to the radio. Beakley will be on whatever show. <laughs> it's on at 610. But, nevertheless, my brother. Brain freeze. Brain freezes for a second. I was drinking the water too fast. Now I got brain freeze. Have a good day, guys. It is well, brother. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes, sir. That is our guy, Jay Beakley. We love him. We love him. We appreciate him. He is the best. I'm telling you, he's the, he's the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to football in this city. And I really do mean that. I'm not gassing up our guy because he decides to spend some time with us each and every time he comes on here. But follow him on Twitter at Three Guys in a Garage. He loves all levels of football. It is not just pro, pro football guys. He loves college. Like I said, he's watching it as he's talking to us. I'm telling you, you want to respect his mock drafts. This dude knows what he's talking about. I always respect what he's got to say. And he likes high school football. And I know that's a big thing out here in Kansas City as well. So, Beakley is the best, and we appreciate him every single time. But we're going to take a quick break because we have to get to the Eddie Hour. I am so excited about that. I heard Eddie only has a few questions for us, and I promise you guys that uh, I'm going to get on Eddie for that for sure because uh, he we deserve better here. You deserve better as a listener. <laughs> We're going to jump Eddie's ass after this, I promise you. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios, barricaded, 
snowed in, whatever you want to call it. My guy is Trevor Twidwell. What is good? Eddie Ortiz. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Trevor, Trevor keeping us in yeah, suspense over here. Hey, hey. <laughs> Dramatic like a pauses. movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, we want to thank our guy, Jay Binkley. We call him Bink for short. Obviously, everybody knows him as Bink. But for the professional side of things, Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio. I, I would give you a time frame of when he's on the sh- when he's on air, but he's on like every damn show. He covers for everybody. He is their Swiss Army knife. Dare I say, Binkley is the Taysom Hill of 610 Sports Radio. He just does everything for them over there, man. That's why I love having him on because the guy's got all the knowledge, everything that we love to have here uh, when it comes to quality uh, on the Spoken Podcast. We want to thank him for being on the show, and we promise to have him back on. We always get good responses when Bink's on the show. and He's always available. He always makes time for us, us little ones. So in the meantime, we need to get to uh, a very important part of the show, the Eddie Hour, which seems to be spotty these days, because mm. you know Eddie's got you know a life and everything like that, and I just don't like the fact that he's got things going on. So <laughs> we we take full advantage whenever we get it. So Eddie, what is going on in the Eddie Hour this week, my man? Oh, not much, man. Just you know, a couple questions, not nothing too big. Uh, you know, it's sports world has been a little a little slow. There's nothing really you can you know dig into. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit right before the the segment, and Trevor hit it hit it on the head and. It's pretty much, you know, like NBA is just starting to pick up and uh, NFL, se- NFL season is closing. Obviously, we're trying to get ready to the playoffs. But this, this week, sounds like excuses to me. Yeah, I don't know about you like, guys. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a slow week in general. Basically, uh, you haven't had time to. Yeah, so in other words, I didn't, tr- I didn't do my homework, teacher. <laughs> no, I did my homework. Uh, I would ask you so many Formula One questions, but I'm sure you guys don't know what to <laughs> We get crickets just right here. I just yeah, play crickets yeah, anyways. Got so, I mean, there's a lot of soccer than F1 that I can ask you guys, but I know you guys are just going to be like, we ain't no shit. We don't know shit. (laughs) So, uh, all right, man. Uh, Let's go with the NBA real quick. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the whole Clipper situation against the Mavericks. I want to see, like, with Kawhi being out, like, like, what are they? You know, like, well, I, I think the Clippers are what I I told you guys they were going to be last season and this season. It's going to be no different, except they're just worse. Uh, they're frauds. Uh, I think the Clippers are a team that fooled everybody into thinking that they were going to be championship contenders. They're clearly not, and they've made that more and more evident this season as they lost over half their depth for their roster. I mean, you, you can't just lose Montrezl Harrell and not get somebody in return. I know they got Serge Ibaka, but Serge Ibaka doesn't have the offensive game that a Montrezl Harrell does bring to, and he's about five years younger. Um you know, lo- losing guys like Shamit, you know, that you can replace guys like that. The point is, though, they didn't. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers did not get better this offseason. I can't imagine they came into this offseason confident. I mean, the best move they made was paying Paul George, and Paul George is a choke artist annually in the playoffs. We call him way off P, as our guy Nick Wright so elegantly had put it. Um, so, yeah, to answer the question as briefly as possible, man, I mean, the Clippers are showing us, even though they have a, what, 4-1 record right now or 5-1 record, whatever it is, it's very early in the season. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, if he's not in the lineup, this team is complete ass. In fact, they're a lottery team without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. And with Kawhi, they're a fringe playoff team. I'm saying that right now. I think the Clippers make the playoffs, but they're a fringe playoff team. I don't think they're going to get a top-four seed this season. I think they're going to struggle this year, and I think you're going to see that a lot more as the season goes on because also – Kawhi doesn't get a uh, load manage this season either, and that's going to be something that he's going to have to deal with, and we've never had to see him do before in the la- at least the last five, six years. So I don't believe in the Clippers and never have, never will, and, th- and this season's only proven that further. Yeah, they've definitely gotten worse. Um, I, I still think they can get a top four or five seed. Um, just just with, with bar- like I said, barring health, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if Kawhi is hurt or, or you know, anybody else goes down, they, they're just not a deep team. They don't have the depth um, to compete if they lose somebody like that, especially a starter, um, especially the guy of the, you know, the town of Kawhi Leonard. I mean, like you said, Lance, when, when Paul George is the guy leading the way in a game, right. good luck. I mean, we saw they got absolutely obliterated by the Mavericks, who's also struggling in their own right. Um, they're pretty um, streaky as well. And and that was without, you know, Porzingis and <laughs> Doncic didn't have to do too much. And they were right. just absolutely destroying it at all facets of that game. So, um, yeah, I don't believe in the, the Clippers. And it's definitely I've lost even more confidence than the, this year because they also got worse at, worse at coaching. Not a shot at Ty Lue, but Doc Rivers is a much better coach than Ty Lue's ever proven to be. Um, Ty Lue's done nothing in his career outside of, you know, riding the coattails. No offense, riding the coattails of LeBron James, one of the greatest seasons, if not his greatest season he's ever had. Um, but yeah, the, the Clippers, they're just, I think they're going to be one of those. I think they still will be a top five seed in the West just because the West is really shook up right now. The Warriors look horrible. The Dallas Mavericks are shaky. Uh, you know, the Nuggets aren't as good right now as they, everyone thought they were going to be. They're a little banged up. They got a lot of chemistry things going on right now. Um, who knows? I think the West is going to be really, really interesting, a lot more interesting than the, than the East. Um, but I mean, as far as the Clippers go though, yeah, they're just not. The chemistry is going to be even worse this year because they lost Montrez. I don't have that gritty guy anymore. I know they got Pat Bev, but he's just he's a, pretty much a one-dimensional player defensively. Doesn't bring much offensively. I think they're going to have to start Lou Williams a lot more this year than they they wanted to be the sixth man. Um, and he's never been a great starter in his career. He's always been really really good coming off the bench in that sixth man role. But yeah, I they don't look very good, man. They're very shaky at best. And Paul George is, has been really hot this year so far. He's been putting up his numbers, um, but. I'm not ex- honestly. I'm not excited to watch them when they're on TV. They're not an exciting team. Um, but yeah, if Kawhi goes down and misses any specific amount of time, they're not going to be good. They're not going to. I mean, I just don't believe in them at all this year. So I, yeah, I think they'll be. But I definitely think they'll still be a top five seed in the West. Next question: Are the Padres the team to beat this year, or are the Dodgers still? That team to beat. The Dodgers are still 100% the team to beat. The Padres are the team with, I think, the most potential to dethrone the the Dodgers, at least on the NL side. Uh, And and I don't even want to speak too quickly on that because I think just talent-wise, the Padres are are gaining speed. But I still think if if I'm going to pick a team to to win the NL this year, I'm probably going to go with the Braves. I I know I rode their coattails big time last year. I was one game off of them getting to the World Series. Like I predicted them to beat the Rays. But I, I definitely think the Dodgers are the are the premier class of the of the NL. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. They're so damn good. A lot of a lot of their top tier players are still in their prime, and I definitely think this is the team to beat for at least the next couple of seasons. Uh, but the Braves, I think, are the team that have that that potential to be the, the the champions. I think they're the team that can dethrone them. But I think the Padres are the team with that youth, that believe in type of you know mentality of hey, we can shock the world here and in my opinion Tatis is going to be the MVP this season I think that Tatis took a massive step up last season I think he's only going to continue to do that's a hard ballpark to hit in but he continues to hit home runs that team they call him slam Diego for a reason like for a team in San Diego to be hitting home runs like they do that's saying so it's profound so now that they added Blake Snell and they've added uh, depth to that pitching rotation that's going to be a very scary team this year. So be watching out for the pods. I know it's a, it's always shocking and, and exciting, and then and teams don't live up to it sometimes. I don't think that's going to be this team. I think they're going to be well worth uh, the price of admission. Yeah, heading into a new season, the, the defending champs are always the team you, to beat. But um, the Padres are definitely going to be the team to watch. They're going to be the team that you know to see if they follow those moves and see if they can put that chemistry together because that's still something you got to watch. 
Um, cause that could definitely fall flat. We've seen teams try to build, you know, great rosters and, and not succeed and fall flat and bust. But I definitely think with the moves they've made, they've, they're, they've, they're set themselves up for success. They've already had a good team. They've already had good hitters and they've, they've, you know, stacked up that bullpen a little more and added some more depth to that team. That roster is going to be incredible. Um, but yeah, I still think the Dodgers are the team to beat, but the Padres in my mind are the team to watch and it's going to be entertaining to watch. All right, man. Last question. Like I said, I only had a few questions today. Nothing, nothing too big. Nothing too, too out of the, uh, uh, you know, out there. Um, <laughs> no F one. Yeah. Uh, let's go with the NFL. And then this, my question is: Will Haskins have a second opportunity with another team? As far as a starter, no. There's no chance. Uh, at least not for next season. Um, he's got talent. Uh, he was a Ohio State quarterback. You don't just be an Ohio State quarterback and not be good at football. you got to be decent at football to play at Ohio, at Ohio State. That doesn't guarantee you're going to be great in the NFL. Yeah. And I think Dwayne Haskins is showing that he has a bad mixture of two things. He does have a, a physical limitations at the NFL level, and he doesn't have the work ethic to overcome that. There are a lot of guys in this league that have not had the greatest physical attributes, but because they work so damn hard, they'll have 10 to 15-year careers in the NFL. I don't believe Dwayne Haskins is one of those guys. And this is coming from somebody who was excited to see him play in the NFL. I, I had some faith in Dwayne Haskins because I liked watching him in college. At the same time, because of the fact he's, he, he has shown the league that, that he doesn't have the work ethic, that is what they're looking for, for, for picking up and taking a chance on you and filling a roster spot. you got to show me you're willing to work, and he hasn't shown that. I know he's young. I get that. But you have to have a certain level of maturity in this league to be able to make it far into the league, or else you're just going to be one of those guys. Whatever happened to that guy? Whatever happened to that guy? hes I think he's more on path of that. Hopefully he proves me wrong, and he ends up changing his ways. But at this point, how can I have confidence he's going to change his ways? I, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen a lot of guys come into this league and be really good flashing the, play, in the, in the pan players and, be, and have a really hot start and then fizzle out. And then we've seen guys like Haskins come in and just not be good from the start. But, he, I mean, the fact that he's so young – uh, he's got a massive chip on his shoulder now, so wherever he does end up, he's going to compete his ass off and try to get that job. Um, but I, I personally just don't like what I've seen on film. Uh, could be a scheme thing. It could just be he wasn't a good fit. He wasn't Rivera's guy. You know, Rivera didn't draft him, so I mean that wasn't his guy. You know, I mean so that that's a bad start to anybody's career as a quarterback, especially when you weren't the pick of the new coach and new regime and all that. The coaching staff that comes with it. So that's rough. Um, so I, I definitely think he's got the talent. Uh, he's definitely a good athlete, but he's not the most mobile guy. Um, he's a, he's a pretty strict pocket passer. Um, he just hasn't looked good. And I just don't know. I, it could, like I said, it could be a schematic thing for him. Um, not working over there in Washington. He could land somewhere else. There's going to be openings. Um, he could go to the Giants or something like that, you know, and try to beat out Daniel Jones or Which something. Would be ironic because a lot of Giants fans wanted Dwayne Haskins. Right, right, and he was a he was a hot commodity coming into that draft, and you know, he a lot of people were. I mean, like you said, where played, you know, that's not a small school; it's a big time school. Um, I can, but I, I, if I had to guess, if I was betting on like what his career would play out to be, he'd be like a, a Geno Smith, you know, kind of just a journeyman backup. That's a solid player. If you you know if your quarterback gets hurt, he can fill in for a game or two, and I don't really see much else after that, honestly. So you think t- teams are willing to take you know, oh, yeah. that package? I don't want to speak for that too quickly. I think because him a lot being of guys so young, there. I think him being so young, he still could be. There are reports. Something. There are reports that there are teams asking, but as like I, I want to preface it, like I said, I'm prefacing it with him being a starting quarterback. I don't see that in the near future. I mean, if Brian, so if, young, if, so maybe. if yeah, if 
what's it, the two quarterbacks over in, in Cincy, uh, uh, Brian Finley or yeah, yeah and, Brian Finley, yeah, those other and those two guys over there are getting shots and they still have jobs. I, I can still that's see that's where the work ethic comes in. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think he and I think he has it, but he's got to be smarter than you know, going out and doing that stupid shit he did, yes. you know. Yeah, when he when he had the starting he had the starting job and then that's when he did it. That's like a bonehead Jamarcus Russell type move. Like man. now we're starting to see why he lost that starting job right. to begin with. Oh yeah, there's more politics to it than, than him just not being. And there's good. been a lot of lead up. It ain't like it's been one incident that caused this. Yeah. He had the selfie with the fan while they were supposed to have him going out there and do the victory formation. There's a lot. But of like I said, yeah, that's not this. Rivera. That wasn't Rivera's guy. Yeah. So it's, that's an easy. Bu- that's an easy bye bye for yeah. Rivera for sure. Well, good Eddie, our brother. Uh, yeah, that was really good, man. I really appreciate that. It was swift, quick, and to the point. Uh, next time, bring your fucking A game. No, I'm, saying, no. No, I'm, gonna ask, take, I'm gonna ask you about soccer and Formula oh, One. Oh fuck yeah, let's do this. Man. I'm gonna study up all week long and still suck at that. Perfect. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break though, guys. When we get back, we're gonna talk about the playoff scenarios. Playoffs. There are a lot of win and you're in type player type teams right now. There's some teams that could either be out of the playoffs completely or win the division. And it all comes down to week 17. There's a lot of exciting scenarios. We're going to break all that down in just a minute. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> so we, uh, yo, yo, we yo. got through that painful three-question three segment with Eddie on the Eddie Hour. We really appreciate all that hard work yeah, and diligence. Half, half the amount of questions. <laughs> I think it has more to do with touchdowns. the hangover that he you're had from last week's New Year's Eve bash that he had with you know his family. You're, you know, welcome. you're welcome. Yeah, Jesus Christ. You're welcome. <laughs> well, we have some chaotic situations going down like we talked to our guy Beasley situations Mm. going down in the NFL uh, regular season the final week of the season week 17 unlike maybe anything we've ever seen like our guy Beasley said a couple segments ago we're talking about the most the most insane scenarios that we have the most possible scenarios we've had in almost three decades Uh, this is a very rare year more ways than one guys and it's only adding to the collection because we have no idea what the fuck's about to happen I will say this though the teams that um, and I don't remember Trevor Nettie's uh, uh, seedings that they had on the AFC side, but every single team that I had in the AFC playoff picture is still very much there. The Browns just got to hold on. So let's get right into this thing because outside of the Chiefs, we know no matter what happens in Week 17, they have the seeding they have. Outside of that, there was not a single team in the NFL playoff picture, not just the AFC, the NFC side as well, that we know what they're going to have. Even the Packers – don't have the number one seed locked up. They lose against the Bears now that Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari is out against yeah, uh, Mac. That's a huge loss. We have no idea what's going to happen in that game. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers with a banged-up offensive line officially, and it's his it's his blindside protector. Yeah. The, outside of that, man, they lose, and the Saints win, which is crazy enough to say because we just got the news per Adam Schefter during the Binkley uh, segment that uh, Alvin Kamara is now out for at least the playoff game. 
because of that situation with the pot testing positive for COVID-19. Michael Thomas is still banged up. Drew Brees is old and banged up. I mean, there's a Trayvon lot. Smith is banged up. Not to mention the fact this is a team that's had several choke jobs over the last several years in the playoffs. Man, the Saints can be in real big trouble. But if the Saints win, they get the one seed. Then they can really breathe a little bit and give Alvin Kamara some time to get back with the bye week. I mean, the NFC side's insane as well. But the AFC side's a lot more insane because there are a lot better teams on the AFC side this time around. There are currently five teams – I'm sorry, eight teams in the the AFC side that has at least ten wins, Mm -hmm. which means that more than likely, seeing we only have seven seeds, there's going to be at least one team with – 10-plus wins that don't make the playoffs. This is why I talk about it all the time. This is great we did this, where they added more playoff seats because we get more good teams in. Yep. It's not going to be a bunch of 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight teams. Those are your division winners, and we need to modify that shit. Where you, you, you win your division, fine. You can get in the playoffs, but you should not be hosting playoff games. Like we're going to see, it's either going to be the football team in Washington, it's going to be the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys that host a playoff game at either 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and nine. That's bullshit. You should be. You can make the playoffs. You make the division. But we should go by records. Whoever has the best records get the best seedings. That's just my personal opinion. I'll go on that tangent another time. But as the AFC currently stands, outside of the Chiefs, like I said, it is completely makeshift. The Bills and Steelers cannot go any further than three, the three seed, mm-hmm. and no further than the two seed up. More than likely, the Bills hold on, get that two seed. But then again, like I said, the Steelers with the Browns having all their problems and they're not a team that we know can, we can trust You know, deep down into the season. There's a lot of things that are happening there. But let's go, let's go a little bit further down into the playoff picture. The Tennessee Titans currently stand at the four seed because they're at the top of the AFC South. They can clinch the AFC South division title with a win over um, uh, the Raiders. I'm sorry. Uh, no, not the Raiders. Who, who are they playing this week? Oh, my who? God. The, the Tennessee Titans. They play the Texans, right? The Texans, yes, you're the correct. Texans. Yep, yep, yep. They have to win. They have to beat the ten- the Houston Texans. They can also clinch the division with a loss from Indianapolis against the Jaguars, who are the only <laughs> the only win on the Jaguars' uh, schedule that early the season, week one, or with a tie, which you know we're not predicting. Tennessee can clinch a playoff berth, not the, not the division, but a playoff berth with a Baltimore loss, mm. a Miami loss. And then I can just keep going down oh, the list. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins can clinch a playoff berth with a Miami if they just win and beat the the Bills, who will be resting starters. We already know Cole Beasley's it's out. A must win game for the Dolphins. Yeah. Yes. Baltimore yeah. can clinch a playoff berth with a win. So if they win, doesn't matter what else happens. They can if they win him and the Dolphins both. If the Dolphins beat the the Bills this week in Buffalo, they win. They're they're in the playoffs. The, the Ravens win. They're in. Cleveland can clinch a playoff berth. This is where it gets really interesting. They can win. But Indianapolis also has to lose. So this is where it gets really tight for the yeah. for the Browns. Then the Indianapolis Colts, as crazy as it is, they're sitting currently outside of the playoff picture. Yep. They're the eighth seed right Miami now. Miami won, yeah. Yeah. The Colts could either miss the playoffs entirely, but if they win and beat the Jaguars, which a lot of people are anticipating, and the Titans somehow lose that game to the Texans, mm. it was a 42-36 game last time they faced. That was a shootout. Texans end up beating the Titans. Not only are the Colts in the playoffs, they win the division. So this is there's a lot of a lot of moving parts right now, guys. There is a lot of things in the AFC side of things that can really take shape. Let's start right there, Trevor. How do you see the playoff picture shaping up? Because I had at the beginning of the season, Chiefs winning the one seed. I had the Ravens winning the two seed. Then yeah. I had the Bills, and then I had oh, I'm sorry. Then I had uh, the 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 Colts winning their division at eleven to five. And then I had the Bills winning their division with the Browns and Steelers as the as the uh, Browns Steelers 
And oh God, who's the the seven seed that I had? I, I have all my predictions still set together. Yeah. I'll show you guys. There's just in a second, but um, we're looking at a, a playoff spot. You're gonna have all ten win teams, at least ten win teams in this in this uh, this playoff bracket. Yeah. yeah. So I had I had the AFC AFC West won by the Chiefs, Bills uh, in the AFC East, AFC North by the Ravens, and then my wild cards were uh, the Titans and seven. So, yeah, there's the seven spot. So all these teams are shaping up to be these playoff teams. How do you see it shaking up, Trev? Yeah, I was off on the Texans. I had the Texans winning their division this year. Um, I really, I had them all well, nine and seven. I didn't have them, like, blowing out the division. But uh, I underestimated the Colts and the Titans. I uh, thought the Titans would be – or I, I had the Titans at seven and nine, so I wasn't that far off. They've been pretty mediocre at times this year. But, um, yeah, I had the Browns uh, – I had the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens making the playoffs, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. I really do. I think the Ravens are going to win. I think the Steelers. I think the Browns are going to beat the Steelers because um, the Steelers are resting a lot of bodies. So I expect the Browns to win that game. I expect the Ravens to uh, to win. The Ravens are playing. Uh, who they're playing this week? They're playing the Bengals. Uh, yeah. So I expect them to beat the Bengals because it's a must win for them. They're trying to get as high a seat as possible um, or trying to make the playoffs. Um, period. Um, the Titans should make it. Um, I think. Let me see. I'm trying to think of how. That's all going to shake out because there's so many moving parts, you know, and in the AFC, especially in the AFC, there's so many moving parts. Like it's, you know, I think I think the Colts are going to be the odd team out. I just think that's going to that's how it's going to play. And it sucks because they're going to win 11 games, maybe so 12. So they're going to lose the Jaguars. Well, okay, but they so even if but even if they win mm-hmm. and Baltimore wins, would Baltimore be the odd team out? No, the the um, or Tennessee. So if Tennessee wins and the Colts win. Yeah, the, so the Tennessee would be in. So though. the Colts have to the Colts have to win. Period. Right. 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 For them to get in the playoffs, but right. if, in order for them to get in the playoffs, they need to win. And plus, either either any of these teams have to lose. Right. Baltimore has to lose to the Bengals. Right. Cleveland has to lose to the Steelers, or Miami has to lose to the Bills. See, and I have Miami winning. Wow. So I have, I have Miami, Miami beating. Be- I have Miami beating the Bills. Okay. Even though Ryan Fitzpatrick, their closer, is going to be out this week. Their closer. He is their closer. Am I lying? Like, it I, sounds I, funny. Like, <laughs> like, okay, the game's close. Put it in. Put it fits. Put it in. Yeah. No, no. Inning, bitch. Get in there. Yeah, no, yeah. What happened Those last week was amazing. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that happened to the Raiders. Um, yeah, man. I, I do. I do think the Colts are going to be odd team out, and it sucks because they've been really good and really consistent this year. And that's a scary team going into the, po- the postseason with that defense and Phillip Rivers you know, playing safe football. And they've been, you know – Eking out wins. Um, that's how I see it playing out. That's my prediction. I was feeling good about the Miami Miami heading into these last few weeks, and I think they're going to beat the Bills. And I know the Bills still sort of have things to play for. They're trying to get that you know that's the two seed. Um, I just think I think that defense is going to come ready. I think they're going to. This is going to be one of those games where Josh Allen isn't as impressive. Um, I know they're getting John Brown back. That's another dynamic player. I know they just signed Kenny Stills, another dy- dynamic deep threat guy. Um, I just that's how I see it playing out. Um, Miami, and I think Miami is kind of a spooky team, an underdog chip on their shoulder, kind of gritty team heading in this posting that people need to pay attention to. But that's how I see it playing out. I think, you know, I think the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns are all going to make it. Um, and, um, and I think the Miami team is going to out that spot and take that spot from the Colts. You actually had all three making it in your prediction. Yeah, huh? that was yeah, my prediction. That, that was your that, prediction. That I, I had yep. all three of those teams in that. I, 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 like I, that I only had the Steelers and the Ravens making it. But out I had the world. Ravens winning division. Yeah, that's what I had. Them. I had the Ravens at fourteen and two. Yeah, yeah. I think I had them thirteen or twelve wins. I think I had them at fourteen wins and like sneaking that first. That first. Well, oh, they were the, the most hyped team going yeah. into this year for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Especially what they did last season, and you know, 
thinking they were going to come back with like a vengeance because yeah. of what happened against the Titans. So I figured, you know, they're going to come back pissed and hopefully Lamar can come back and, you know, prove that he's actually worth mm-hmm. what everybody, you know, the MVP. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I figured the Ravens are going to come back and just going to fucking just blow competition away. But yeah. we saw that that did not happen. I will say, though, I think I'm going to say it now. I think my sleeper team going into the postseason is the Browns. Oof. I think the Browns, with the way they run the game, they're built for postseason. I know they haven't proven anything, and this is Baker's chance to really prove it. But I think this is a team you need to watch in the postseason because these are the kind of these are the kind of teams that succeed a lot. Especially if they get a decent lead, they go up by ten, and they can just run Cream Hunt so, and, and and Chubb down your throat. Yeah. That's a tough team to beat. <laughs> so, man. Chubb down your throat, man. So if the Browns win, they're mm-hmm. in. Yeah, they're in their wild if they, card. If they beat the Steelers, they're in the playoffs. So the Ravens are out. No, the, no, no, the Ravens can still make the playoffs. They both kind of control the their own win. destiny. They both win their yes. end. The Ravens, yeah. the Ravens, the way they get in the playoffs, they win. They mm-hmm. got to beat the Bengals. Yeah. And they will automatically they'll get the, the five seed. They would automatically get the five seed. Really? I yes. mean, I hope they lose the Bengals. That'd be great. That'd be they have, they have, they, 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 I mean, How great would it be to see the Ravens hey, miss the playoffs? You know, the crazy stat we heard this morning that Lance was like, that's weird. That's a crazy stat to have. Cincinnati Bengals are what, like twelve and zero, and like uh, on their closing game when they have a losing. Really? season. Yeah, when they have a losing season, they're twelve and zero in their final game of the season. Yeah, they're like some shit like that. It's some, cool because last week they face they face like a divisional foe who's resting starters because most yeah. times the Steelers that's or Ravens. Just, that's make just the one of those just so happens to be kind yes. of stats. I, I don't no mind significance. It. I, that's what Lance says. Like, I fully expect the Ravens. Stat. I fully expect the Ravens to take care <laughs> uh, of this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I can also see the Ravens, you know, choking it. I don't know where they're playing. They're playing in CC. I mean, they or, did just they, they did just beat the Steelers and the Browns. Uh, I mean, they just but beat we those all two know teams. That the Steelers were the fraud team of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we all. Well, the Browns didn't have a starting receiver. Yeah, and so I, <laughs> exactly. They were without they everybody. Four, all, right, four receivers gone. They're right. They're top four receivers. So, I mean, either way, I think Baker shit the for bed the record. In that game. The game is in Cincy. Yeah. yeah, but the, the Ravens are thirteen point favorites. They just they don't yeah. have they don't have they the defensive have to, players to stop. Yeah, they Lamar. have to. The, the yeah. Ravens have to win unless they choke. Unless uh, Lamar Jackson finds a way. Lamar to Jackson is never so really close to lost. Really, the, the thing to figure out in this in the AFC is who's getting in between the, the Dolphins, Dolphins and, and the Colts. Yeah. That's the biggest up you know toss up right now. I can I can see the Dolphins. I can, the, see, the Dolphins. The I can see the do. Dolphins beating uh, Buffalo because yeah. Buffalo is resting. The Colts are automatically out if they win. So I do think I do think Miami can snake in that win, and but I don't think the Colts. I don't think I had the Colts. Guys, I, I don't think Josh Allen's sitting out this game. No, no, he's not because he's not, yeah. because the Bills have something to play for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're they want that too. Going season. up against one of the best defenses. That's what I'm saying. I get that. This is one of those like, defenses and, that can get to him. We man. saw we saw what the we see what Josh Allen is against those big those big time defenses those top defenses. Yeah. He he struggles. He he can't find he can't get the rhythm going for that off, right. offense. Uh, at all, yeah. so we can see Miami putting that pressure in, and Tua just coming in and you know doing their thing. Because we got to think, like Buffalo does not have a top ten defense. I don't think, in my yeah. opinion, I don't no, think no, they have no, a they top don't. ten defense. Yeah. So Miami can very well drive mean, that ball down the field. Back in September, they beat the the Dolphins pretty soundly, and 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 Josh Allen completed sixty nine percent of his passes for four hundred fifteen yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Yep. So I know Cole Beasley's not playing this game. They just signed Kenny Stills, so you know they're going to be excited about adding a, another John really Brown's good wide back. receiver. John yeah. Brown's back. Yep. They still have Stephon Diggs, who has something to play for, too. He's trying to get that receiving title. 
Dolphins again, are healthy though. Uh, again, the Dolphins again, got all the Bills have something to play for. They Unless, they win this game, they get the two seed, mm-hmm. and they have a, a much easier path to the AFC Championship in Kansas City. That's where I just know Coach Flores is going to want to go out there and win that game. This, oh, this is his chance to go out yeah, there and make it. Chance to prove. I just make, think the yeah, matchup. Dude. I just think the matchup just favors the Bills, man. It's it, in it Buffalo. Should. The Bills I, are the better team. It's in Buffalo. But you know, but when good defense, when good defenses get a second chance to play a team, a quarterback that shredded them the first time around. And this defense has improved since then. Oh, that was yes. really early oh, in the year. Yes. This defense is much better at this Big point time. of the year. And towards the end of the year, this is when defense kind of pin their ears back and get right. after a quarterback. And I think Josh so, Allen so can have one. You of those. have you have the playoff structure as follows. Seven, who's your seven teams? I have the well, I have the Dolphins. I don't have it written down, but I have yeah. the Dolphins just making in that last spot over the Colts. And then you have obviously you have the Titans, Browns, or you oh, have so the you Browns, have- Titans. The Browns would have that. So the two wild, the, what, there's three wild there's cards. Three wild cards. So that'd be Miami. Cleveland and Tennessee would be the three. No, you no, have Tennessee to have Baltimore. Would have to win. Oh, Baltimore, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Tennessee would there's win. The so division. much. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah there's if so the much Colts in flux. Don't win, if the Colts don't win at all, that's crazy. Yeah. It, the Titans are the only AFC South team that makes it. Obviously, right. so they would win the division at four. Right. So your yeah. seven teams goes as follows: top to bottom. So it'd be obviously Chiefs, yes, Bills, Steelers, Steelers, Titans, Titans, Browns, Ravens, or Ravens, Browns. And then Dolphins. And the Dolphins. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. exact same. Yeah. same. Yeah, that's fine. I think Miami sneaks I that win, Miami, man. I think Miami's going to beat Buffalo. I like Miami I this really week. do yeah. think they're going to beat Buffalo. Which, can, which means I, Buffalo's going to win by 30. I completely <laughs> I completely disagree with that last seed with you guys. <laughs> yeah. I do 100% agree that the Ravens are going to get that five. The Browns are going to get that six because I have them beating the Steelers. And actually, a very close game mm. because I, I don't think there's like this significant. I know Ben Roethlisberger had a really good game last week. Oh, but yeah. over his last month, he's been. Can bad. you really tell me he's been better than Mason Rudolph? Like, he's been honestly. a bottom. He's been a bottom. Yeah, he's been a bottom ten. Oh, he hasn't tough. really been yeah, exactly. So they're getting Mason Rudolph. He's been who a had bottom a full ten quarterback year experience this year. last year with yeah. Duck Hodges. I think it's gonna be a close <laughs> game, but I do think the Browns are gonna squeak that one out. Mm. And so I think the Browns are gonna get that six spot. I think the Colts are gonna. I think. I think something's gonna happen this week, guys. I think the Colts are gonna win that game, and I think the Titans are gonna slip up. Ooh. I think the Texans are going to upset the Titans in this game. And I think the Colts see, I jump I and get that, that division. I can see the Jaguars doing the same thing again. Sure. I, I would trust Deshaun for an upset against that, text, that Titans defense. But I think the Titans coming off that embarrassing loss to the Packers, I think they're going to be really motivated. This is going to be they're going to be playing it's in Texas it's in Texas right it's in yeah. Texas City. So so. Yeah, so I'm saying they're playing it I think Derrick Henry is just going to run amuck in this oh, game. Yeah. I think they're just going to unleash Derrick Henry he's get, be, get out. Pushing, he's going to be pushing yeah, win by 7, yards, win by a score and just get out and make the playoff spot. I don't I can definitely see it, Deshaun trying to make an upset but Deshaun's playing for nothing but they are playing a raw raw type of game after that speech from mm-hmm. uh, um um yeah my goodness, I can't think of what was his name that the, gave the post game speech. I can't think. For JJ Watt. Yeah, oh, obviously. Drawn a yeah. blank. Yeah. Hall of Famer JJ Watt. This, uh, no, I can't. Yeah, I was drawing a blank. I can't even remember his name. I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> with that rah rah speech, I think that they're going to they're gonna want to win that last game of the season, the Texans, you yeah. know, for, for, after, unless, after. Unless here, they got offended by so here's, it. Well, they still thing. suck. That's the thing. That's a, still a bad team. My, my prediction was that the Titans are going to make the playoffs as that seventh seed, mm. and then the Colts are going to win that division. Let's say, though, let's say the Colts do win that game, so, but the Titans win. Titans get their division, and the Colts get into the, play- in the playoffs as a seventh spot. Guess so you have how the Browns whole- losing? You have the Browns missing out? No, I have the Browns still in. Okay, so. So I, my, my top to bottom is, as it currently stands, my initial prediction was mm. Chiefs. Uh, uh, B- no, Ravens. I had the Ravens oh, as the two seed, so I was wrong just, on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as it yeah, currently I stands, I, I do think how it's going to shape out is the Chiefs obviously got the one seed. I think the Bills win, beat the Dolphins and keep that two seed. Mm. The Steelers are obviously going to get that three seed because the Bills win. 
I think that I can see the Texans beating the the Titans. I will go with chalk though, and I'll say that the Titans take care of business, they end should. up winning their division. Yeah. Yes, I end up seeing them winning their division, so they get the fourth spot. The fifth spot's obviously going to be the Baltimore Ravens because I think they're going to just manhandle the Bengals. That sixth spot is going to be the Browns because obviously they can't go above the Baltimore Ravens. They lost both games to Baltimore. That seventh spot is going to be the Colts, in my opinion. This shapes out perfectly, though. That's how it for my should work prediction. out. Yeah. Think about it. It's perfect, though, because the four and five seeds play each other in the first round. Who would the four and five seeds be? Titans, Ravens. No. Yeah. 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 The Titans, Titans, Ravens. Ravens. That's Titans it, yeah. and Ravens. That's it. Titans and Ravens. Remember what I said at the beginning? The begin before we did our prediction show. I Just said like last year. Yeah. I brought it up. I said this is how it's going to play out. The Ravens and Titans are going to play. Now I did have it in Baltimore this time. This it would actually be in Tennessee. The Titans or the Ravens would get their revenge. Mm. I am going to give a slight edge of confidence that the Ravens can get it done just because yeah, it isn't because I believe in Lamar Jackson. It, it, I still don't believe in Lamar Jackson as a playoff coach. Well, I think the Ravens are a better team. It's because of the fact that the Titans defense is finally going to bite them in the ass. It hasn't bit them in the ass much this year because their offense has been so great. Their defense is horrible. Yes, their defense has been horrible. So unless unless Derek John Henry goes off again, yeah. let's say he just has a moderate game. Tannehill's not good enough to beat the Ravens by himself. Yeah, but even if it comes down to a rushing game and it's two teams running out of job, I'm, I'm giving the Ravens the edge because, right. because of the quarterback. So, so I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah. Guess who the Ravens would then have to play after that? The Buffalo Bills, and that's the team <laughs> I had them beat, losing to in the divisional round. Well, that's if the Steelers and the uh, Bills win. If the Bills and the and the Steelers win their games so the Ravens win, the Ravens will play the Chiefs because they're the worst seed. Well, the, no, because the, the Colts would have to play their game against the Col- the the, the uh, Bills. Steel- the Browns would in play the, fir- the in the first round. Yeah. yeah. So, so the first the wild card it'll be uh, Bills Colts in your in your prediction Bills Colts uh, Steelers, Steelers Browns Browns yes and then Titans Ravens. But if the Browns beat the Steelers, mm. the Bills would the Bills yeah, would oh, get yeah. The, yeah the Bills would get the Browns. The Brown- no the no the Browns if the would Browns go- beat the Steelers if the- it's a, if it's a three versus six and the no, Browns the- win they are the worst seed. They would go to the Bills. Who? The Browns would because they'd be the three Steelers. They'd be the lowest seed. They'd be the lowest seed because the Baltimore Ravens would be the five. Does that no, make but sense? No, because the Chiefs have to play the lowest seed. So I, the, the, the Chiefs will play the Browns. Right. Okay. So the if the Steelers so, beat the Browns, then the Browns would the Browns would be out. Obviously, the Steelers would be the three seed going against the Ravens. No, it'll be the Chiefs against the Ravens because the. So let's say yeah, you're right. You're right. You're correct because the worst the Chiefs are going to have to play the worst team right. regardless. Mm-hmm. So if if the Ravens are the only team out of the five through seven that make it seed. out, they're automatically going mm-hmm. against Kansas City in your prediction. I want that so bad. That would be amazing. I want the, the Mahomes, I want Mahomes to stomp Lamar in the playoffs. I want that to happen so bad because we haven't had it yet. We haven't yeah. had that matchup. I wanted. So I want the Chiefs would, to own them in the postseason. We all we all had this. We all three. We did not plan that. Remember the beginning of the year. Mm. We all planned Chiefs versus Seahawks in the yeah. Super Bowl versus Super Bowl Fifty Five. Are you guys sticking with that? No, I'm not. Chiefs okay. Seahawks. What are the changes? Packers Chiefs. That's my changes. Even with David Bakhtiari going down, yeah, that's fine. I'm sticking with I, mine. I, I still think that the the Packers are the better team. I, I just think that they are going to be the team to beat in the in the NFC, and I think they have enough manpower and enough, you know still in them that they're just going to make it to the to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean I had I had my NFC Championship game was the Seahawks over the Saints, but I think it's going to be probably Seahawks chart or Seahawks Chargers. Seahawks oh, Seahawks Packers. But I'm going to give I'm going to give the Seahawks the edge because 
if it, people haven't been paying, been paying attention, the Seahawks defense was horrible the first probably 10, 11 games of the year. Yeah. But that defense has been playing way better lately. Right. Their safety play has been playing way better. They're, they've been getting to the quarterback. Uh, that Dunlap signing was a huge uh, signing for them. Um, so they've been playing much better defense, and they've been winning games defensively. I know they dropped that. They had a really ugly loss to the Giants there. Um, that was bad. Um, but overall, I still trust Russ. I, st- I think in the playoffs, when it comes down to it, Russ and you put you got DK, you got uh, uh, um, um, Tyler Lockett, and, and those weapons, man. I just think I still like the Seahawks. I really do. I, I think people have like kind of lost faith in them a little bit. Yeah. But when it comes to the postseason, Pete Carroll, Russ, you know, I just I trust them. I know Aaron Rodgers is. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers in this Super Bowl. I really don't. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stick with my Seahawks pick. I do think that they're they're gonna make some noise when the when it comes time. Well, on the AFC side of things, real quick, I'll say this: um, the Bills were the team I all, all along said they're gonna give the Chiefs a run to the AFC Championship. I believed in them from the very beginning. I did not believe in the Ravens. Still don't, mm-hmm. even though I had them initially as my two seed. Um, I think that the AFC is going to beat themselves up before they even get to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to be well-rested, well-prepared. I don't think it's going to matter who the Chiefs face in the divisional round. I think they're going to go out there and put that game on ice and, and, and flip everybody off just because of the fact that whole season long or the last two months people have been talking about how the Chiefs can't win stylistically. Mm. I think that's going to be taking care of business. I think the Chiefs are going to have a fun game against the Bills. I say fun because I don't think that the Bills match up well against the Chiefs. I know the Bills are a very good high-scoring team. They've been beating the shit out of some really bad teams lately. But you saw how that game went in Buffalo. I know the the, the, the weather played a factor. Well, guess what? Yeah. It may play a factor the, again. That's the best part about that, though, what we put on film in that game. What we put on film against right. that, that defense, we just ran the plus ball. Rushing yards. Yeah, so now all they have on film is us just running blasting the them with, the, with running the ball. <laughs> now that now they're going to have to you know set a game plan – and that, their secondary is just not and good. Outside of Tredavious White, they right. don't have the secondary. I mean, Brian, they've been getting beat all uh, year. Poyer's a good player. He mm-hmm. is a good. He's a good safety. But that is not enough to to face the the onslaught that Patrick Mahomes can and will. And they don't have yeah. the pass rush right. Right. Frankly. And especially I mean, if our, our O line is healthy. That, yeah. yeah, they own that front seven with Alec Reddy out there. People started believing that this Chiefs offensive line was fixed. Look how far that was. How long ago that was. We're talking about the yeah. offensive line being the biggest weakness back then. Everyone thought it was fixed. That's how good the Chiefs were against them. And we'll have Clyde edwards helaire by, by that time. It looks that way. Yeah. On the NFC side of things, it is more interesting because I have been tempted to push off the Seahawks pick. But I am going to side with Trevor on this one for multiple reasons. And I know the Seahawks have not been they've, – they've been playing great defense. They have been playing some of the bottom bottom barrel offenses, though, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last five weeks, they've faced the um, they've faced the Philadelphia Eagles. They Giants. faced the Giants. They faced the Jets. They faced the football team. And then the Rams when Jared Goff got some good defenses. And say what you want about the Jets. Their defense is actually not bad. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I won't sit here and praise them for holding those bad offenses to those totals. They lost the Giants. They did lose the Giants because of their offense. That's the part that scares me, ironically. Russell Russell went from having an historic season to being costing them games. So the defense, though, the reason why I am buying this defense is because a streak like that galvanizes defenses. Offenses, when you're blowing out bad teams – it doesn't really galvanize the offense because it starts to feel easy, and when you get pushed, a lot of times offenses can fall down. You're seeing the Seahawks, right? On the flip side, when defenses start to beat up on bad offenses, you see those defenses gain that confidence. Jamal Tur- Jamal Adams has been talking that shit for the last two weeks. He went up there and lit up a cigar at the press conference. These guys are feeling great about themselves because they believe going into the season, like Trevor said, the defense wasn't going to win them games. Well, they have been. 
The yeah. defense has been absolutely winning this game. And just, I mean, so yeah, just you can't wait. imagine Russell Wilson's going to play horrible for right. another month. DK Metcalf, so, Tyler Lockett, you still have those yes, guys. Russell Wilson's going to click, yeah. and when he does, and the defense is playing the way they do, they have been. You're going to see this team, this team get to the NFC Championship. I and now that Bakhtiari is out for the Packers, we're going to see how much that's, that's going to affect. That's humongous. Yeah, that's he huge. is he is arguably the best left tackle in football, and he protects a 37 year old Aaron Rodgers. That is a massive loss against I mean, against some good pass rushing defense in the NFC. Man, Carlos Dunlap they play they play in the NFC Championship. Carlos Dunlap is going to eat alive whoever's that left tackle. Mm-hmm. I really think so, and I think Jamal Adams. You don't even know what position the dude plays. He's all over the damn field. So. I'm sticking with it. I think the Chiefs and Seahawks are going to face off in this in, in, in the in, in the Super Bowl. I think NFC is going to be fun as hell. I think the Chiefs. I, I hate to sound like this. I hate to be anticlimactic because I understand the AFC is the more interesting conference because just how many more better teams there are. At the end of the day, though, it is the Chiefs versus everybody else on the NFC side. There's three, four teams that can win the NFC. I just I think it's going to be though the Seahawks. I think they're clicking at the right time defensively, and their offense with the talent they have. Yep. Chris Carson's healthy. Chris Carson, yeah. I, I just think that they're going to put it together, and I think they're going to beat the, the Packers in the NFC Championship. I really do. I really, really do. So I, I can't wait to hear what you guys think. We're going to we're obviously post our predictions and the playoffs officially start, and we have ours locked in. We're going to give you guys our play our game by game scenario. But like I said, we can be hundred percent wrong on how this whole thing goes. Man, the Colts can end up winning the division. I mean, they or they could be completely out of the picture. We don't know, man. The Browns could choke and lose to the backups of the Steelers. There's a <laughs> lot that could happen, man. The Bills yeah. could choke to the Dolphins and I'm going to the three seed and changing the whole damn format. We're just giving you guys where we're at on New Year's Day, and that's where we're going to leave it because we need to get to you guys in the Monday mailbag. We'll attack that after this. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you guys the opportunity to platform on the Spoken group on Facebook where we just give you guys the platform. We give you the opportunity to give us whatever it is that you're steaming on, whatever you're pissed off about, whatever you want to discuss in the world of sports. It is your time. So nevertheless, Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag this week? All right, man. First off, we're going to start with uh, good old Billy Hodge. Um, Billy. Uh, it says, first, I would like to thank you guys and Eddie for another year of doing the show. Second of all, you should change the name of the segment from Hold This Out to Eddie Award because he's probably going against the Chiefs again. <laughs> hey. I know your ass is going to pick the Chargers, too. Hold That's this, what, Eddie. So, yeah, Billy's 100% correct. Yes, 100%. With all the time you guys spend together, I'd imagine he knows you pretty damn well by this point. I mean, he does. Look at it. It's pretty he wants serious. to change. Uh, thank you, Billy. We really appreciate you, bro. <laughs> all right. Uh, his question, uh, my question is in the last eight games, the chiefs have won, but all games are closed. Do you think the chiefs are bored or not showing everything they got? Well, yeah, I think it's more of what we talked about earlier. I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. I think that the chiefs, yeah, when you've won 23 of 24 games, stuff gets a little methodical. The winning, I hate to say it, winning becomes easy when you're just as great as the chiefs are. You don't feel as much of a drive. I mean, look at last season, the chiefs were six and four at one point. The Chiefs couldn't afford to have that many close games, and they still were having close games last season. And when you've when you've lost literally one game in the last four hundred plus days, it just kind of gets to that place where you feel like winning comes easy. Do I like it as a fan? No, I, I don't like when the Chiefs take games like the Falcons game not so serious, and you see them out there just kind of fucking around and that fourth and one play in the in the red zone. That that play pissed me off because I like 
as a fan, again, from my perspective as a fan, I want to see my team go out there each and every week and put a fucking beat down on this on their opponent because I know they can do that. And that's what they're going to do in the playoffs. Once again, last season in the playoffs, the Chiefs averaged 39 points per game and scored the most touchdowns in a single playoff stint in the history of the NFL, and they didn't even play in the wild card. So that should tell you what this team can and will do. But does it piss me off, and do I think that they're bored? Yeah, I I absolutely think it's because they're bored, and I think that they're tinkering with shit before they get in the playoffs to see if they can fuck with some teams before they get there. Because you know whoever comes into Kansas City, they're going to be like, ah, fuck, what is this team going to do? Are they going to run the ball? Are they going to pass the ball? Are they going to do trick plays? There's endless ways the Chiefs can beat you, and that's what teams are going to have to take on. But I, I just think that the Chiefs just know they're better than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, this this team all along, all season, we all know what the what the goal has been, right? And it's what's the hardest thing to do in sports? Obviously winning a championship, but it's even harder than that, repeating that process and doing that over again. And the fact that we kept everybody, just kept the same nucleus here, we you know we, we, we doubled down on our odds. Um, so, But, I mean, yeah, I think this team all year has been trying to find an edge trying to find a chip to put on our own shoulder, trying to find something to like challenge ourselves in a way because we know we're head and shoulders above everybody else, especially in the AFC. Um, I think, yeah, I think we try to kind of keep – I don't think this is intentional that we keep games interesting or close to kind of give us – you know, keep us on our toes and keep an edge. Um, but like, I, I do think we've played with our food a lot this year. I do think we've toyed around with our food a lot this year. And, 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 and the, at the end of the game, we finished the meal and, and licked the plate clean. Um but even even what 2018 when the when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, right? What was their mantra? We're still here, and Tom Brady was chanting that shit. And everyone like, bro, what are you talking about? You guys are the greatest dynasty in sports history, and you're talking about everyone who was doubting you, and you guys were selling merch about how people were doubting you, and you're still here. But everyone knew the Patriots were going to be right up there with the you know the, the Chiefs were the up and coming team, but every, you were the favorite. You guys were the favorite going into not only to favorite to win the Super Bowl, but the favorite to come out of the AFC. Like everyone knew you were going to be there. No one was doubting the Patriots. Right. Um, so I mean that that's but that goes to show great teams still need to find you know uh, 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 motivations from right. somewhere. You know MJ when he was creating those little fake scenarios, to get, yeah, to, yeah, to put something in his own head just to give him an edge and, and you know uh, a reason to feast. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely I think this team is. I don't know if they're bored. I just think they're so. F- solely focused on the the postseason and those games we're gonna get ready to unleash in the postseason man i'm i'm here for it i'm ready for it um i don't think this seems bored but i do think we've gotten complacent at times and we just want to get to where we want we really want to go and we're so focused on the end goal these games are just kind of getting in our way these games against the falcons you know these games against you know certain teams that don't really matter they just kind of get in the way and they're just, we're just kind of killing time and just getting by so i think health has been the goal this year staying healthy uh, keeping our guys ready for this the postseason run. Um, that's why we've taken our time with guys like Schwartz and Sammy Watkins. We haven't really pushed anybody out there. Clyde should be ready for the postseason, but um, yeah, I mean, as far as boredom, I don't think that's it. I just think we're we're pacing ourselves for what we know is coming and what we're going to do in the postseason. All right. Next question comes from uh, Shaggy Shane, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Shaggy. Uh, if Matt Castle, Brady Quinn. And Alex Smith were playing behind the current Chiefs offensive line mm. with the current two running backs, and the the Chiefs would be lucky to go seven and nine. Are you as comfortable going into January this year as you were last year, and why? Uh, I think first of all, Shaggy uh, is being awfully generous by giving that that group of quarterbacks seven wins yeah. in any season period. <laughs> um, but no, nevertheless, I, am I just as confident? Yes, because I'm even more confident knowing that they've already gotten it done. Like Trevor was just alluding to, I mean, the, the process of, of repeating is 
so much more demanding than just getting there and doing it the first time. Yeah, because everyone's keeping wanting to keep you from doing yeah, that. Yeah, because now everyone's motivating factor is to right. take down the champs. The motivating, the, the why I'm equally or even more confident is not just though that they've already done it. It's the fact that they took everyone's best hit this season and they went 14 and one in meaningful games. This next week, it doesn't matter if the Chiefs end up losing and going 14 and two or 15 and one. The fact is, in all the games that mattered the most against playoff teams, the Chiefs got it done. Was it ugly? Was it not sexy? It wasn't sexy at all. There was, yeah. over the last two months, the Chiefs have had, I think, one blowout victory. I think it was against the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. And who doesn't blow out the Jets except the fucking Browns or the Rams? <laughs> but nevertheless, the point is, is that the Chiefs have gotten it done when it mattered, and it didn't. It didn't always result the way I wanted to, or my predictions when I had the Chiefs winning by multiple scores. But they win. That is the ultimate deciding factor as to where my confidence lies with this team. And Patrick Mahomes is winning games late in games, which in the playoffs you have to have that ability to do so. That's why guys like Lamar Jackson struggle with confidence because they don't win games that are late in games. They don't have game-winning drives. They don't throw the ball downfield accurately like Patrick Holmes did on the Wasp play in, 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 in the Super Bowl or you know come back from three, four scores. I mean, that's stuff that only the Chiefs can do on a consistent basis, as Binkley talked about earlier. So I definitely am just as confident, if not more confident, that this team's going to repeat, and it's because of the fact that they are galvanized as a team. They're not perfect. They got their problems. They got their mishaps. They got their shortcomings. But all of their greatness supersedes that. Patrick Mahomes covers so much of that. And the Chiefs are going to be as healthy as they've been in in several weeks by the time they get to the divisional round. They'll have everybody rested, everybody ready to go and motivated because you don't think for a second the Chiefs have been listening to what's been said about them on TV, about how they're not even the third, the second best team in, in, in the in the playoff hunt right now or Patrick Mahomes is third in MVP votes, like crazy shit like that. To be disrespected like that, that's what it is. When you've won 10 straight games in 23 of 24, and for people to still doubt you, that is the chip on the shoulder that Trevor was talking about. And I think they're absolutely going to hold that chip on their shoulder throughout this playoff run. Yeah, I mean, it's always worrisome when your O-line has been playing, uh, you know, up to the potential. But at the same time, we have a lot of no-name guys that we've rotated in and out of this offensive line. So expectations honestly have been low. And as far as my expectations, I think they've superseded the expectations from, you know, these guys that we didn't know much about and who they were. This has been a makeshift line all year. And we've, we've been without our best offensive line most of the year. So if we get Schwartz back for the playoffs, I'm feeling way more confident. Um, just having him, him in there alone, just having his presence in there. Um, but when you have the quarterback who's the best against the blitz in the league, you have the quarterback who's the best in the league when the play breaks down. It, 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 there's not much to really worry about. It it always is, like I said, it always is worrisome when the when the pass pro isn't as good as you want it to be. But I think they've been good enough. Uh, there has been games where Pat hasn't looked good in the pocket and didn't utilize the the, the pocket and step up in the pocket in time. And there's been you know, and that's been on him at times too. He's made. Plays worse with 30-plus yard sacks when that was completely on Pat. Uh, when he had the protection, he should have just threw the ball away. There's some blunders on both sides. You know, not every, not every, It's not always the blame the O-line. The, the O-line has dip, been trending upward as well, so I'm not too worried about the O-line, to be honest. Um, our getting our running game going with, 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 with running run blocking is a little more worrisome on that. I'm more worried about getting the run game going and running the ball efficiently um, than I am Pat, you know, getting hit or taking a big hit because the O-line, you know, having a, a, a bus play or something like that. I mean, that, it's going to happen. We're going to face some good defensive fronts here in the postseason. But 
when we got Pat back there, the guy that sees the blitz, reads the blitz, and evades the blitz better than anybody in the league. I, when I know my team and, and, the, and the, the win and loss column is in the hands of that guy, I'm not worried at all. Well, and, and I will add this real quick, and this is something we didn't even mention at this point, is how well the defense is playing. Mm-hmm. And I, in my opinion, the defense is better this season than it was last season. That's saying something. And we're once again trending up as the postseason comes. Yes, because you'll have not only Hitchens playing better than he did last season, mm-hmm. Anthony Hitchens, he'll be back. Damian Wilson will be back, but Willie Gay's here. And Willie Gay played amazing against Important the Falcons. Nine tackles, too. zero missed tackles, mm-hmm. right? You have that. Legerious Sneed. Lord yep. Jarius Sneed. The best corner on this Savior. team currently. Yep. Next to Brashad Breeland, Rashad Fenton, and Shervarius Ward. Last season, they did not have that X factor in Lord Jarius Sneed. Yeah. They had Shervarius Ward, who was playing good football, but was not playing to the level the Lord Jarius Sneed is playing. Lord Jarius Sneed is third on this team right now in sacks. Think about that. Yeah. Third on the team. I will say, too, for Willie Gay, too, this is a a great opportunity for Willie Gay to get out there and get a whole lot of snaps. Like you said, it's kind of like a a preseason game for Willie Gay to kind of get out there and get live action, get acclimated into the system because he's going to get damn near every snap this this week. Right. It's going to be great for him. And and, and Lord Jerry Sneed has played at at a level – progressively better every single week. Like you said, it's, oh, it's, yeah. he's getting better every single week. He's, he's not great. settling. He's great, man. The defense is, you can make the cases, won a couple games down the stretch for the Chiefs. And they, nine times this season, have kept their opponents at 20 points or less. That is the most in the NFL. So, and, and, and again, we talk about the schedule. How many playoff teams the Chiefs have faced? How many they've beaten? The road schedule. Yep. Going undefeated on the road. One, one slip up early in the season against the Raiders who put up 40 points. An absolute aberration. I'm not trying to be dismissive, but the Chiefs since then have absolutely taken care of business each and every week. May not be sexy, they do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Second question from Shaggy Shane. This is our last question. That's a long story. It's a be- Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last seven weeks of the season, the Chiefs' home games have been more of a struggle than the way- than the away games, with the exception of the game at Las Vegas, which is uh, in which the game itself went back and forth. The Chiefs on the road against Tampa, Miami, and New Orleans built up huge leads and then hung on. Yet the last three home games against Carolina, Denver, and Atlanta were games that weren't sealed until the Chiefs' defense made the plays at the end. Honey Badger interception of Jude Locke or the opposing kickers missed their kicks from 67 yards and 39 yards away. I realize that every Chiefs win can't be a blowout. But when you look in totality of every Chiefs game this season, wouldn't you agree that the Chiefs have looked a lot better on offense, on the road, than at home. Oh, no question. But this, again, goes to the point that the majority of the Chiefs' big games this season have been on the road. Mm-hmm. Look at the majority. Unless I'm completely mistaken, you guys can correct me here. I can look at the schedule right now. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, the Chiefs have played four of their five playoff games against playoff teams on the road. Yep. So, Saints, of course, yeah, Ravens. of course the Chiefs are going to play a little bit better or, or, or perform at a higher level on the road this season than they would at home. And plus, you have the – of all the teams in the NFL, there's only a handful of teams in the NFL that have had fans in the stands at some magnitude. The Chiefs are one of them. Yeah. So they're a little bit more relaxed, a little more confident at home as, as they course, should be. you're way more on edge on the road. Yeah, so you have at Baltimore this yeah. season, playoff team, at Buffalo, playoff team, at Tampa Bay, playoff team, yeah, at New Orleans, and at Miami. So yeah, actually, the biggest all games. five – all five of their playoff teams they faced this season were at home. Yeah. So of course, or I'm sorry, on the road. So of course they're going to play because this is what the Chiefs do. We we keep repeating it, and this is this is my stance on this team until they prove me otherwise. They don't play great four quarters against bad teams. That's for sure. But when they face these, look at Tampa Bay. 
Look at that game. Everyone's like, man, I don't know. Are the Chiefs going to be able to, you know, are they going to, is it going to be a tough game? The Chiefs went in there and put up 17 straight unanswered points. Tyreek Hill had an historic first yeah. quarter. Yep. They let off the gas. That did piss me off. But the Chiefs were confident in themselves enough that say, hey, we put up enough points. We're going to get out of here healthy because we have a bigger uh, a goal in mind, which is to repeat as champions. Their motivation is to stay healthy enough, just win the game, and get to the Super Bowl. Now, if they go in the playoffs and play the same way when they could be playing better, yeah, I'm going to be a little upset. And I might even be borderline worried. But the overriding factor in all of this is the Chiefs took care of business against these playoff teams in their houses. It isn't easy, fans or not, to travel and go and beat every playoff team you face in their house. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're facing borderline playoff teams. You're you're playing division winners and teams that people were very high on going into this season. And, it, and tough defenses, like being talked about earlier. You put up 32 against the Saints in their house. You put up 33 against the Miami Dolphins in their house. You put up 34 against the Ravens when they were healthy. As healthy as they've ever been all season, early in the season. You put up 26 in, De- in, in, in Buffalo. You know, like, these are games that you just can't say, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, they didn't you know, score enough points. They scored enough to win. It isn't my favorite at the time when I'm watching the games. I don't love it when they let off the gas. But when I look back and I and I and my blood pressure subsides a little bit, I start to understand what the motivation is and what they're why they're doing what they're doing. And I, I end up trusting the process after the fandom of me starts to come down a little bit. So yeah. it's not a worry to me ultimately. Yeah, I mean, both both home playoff games last year, uh, we, we, were, we were trailed double digits. To, to start those games in the first half of those games, we were struggling at home, right? But how those end up turning out, you know? So I, I, I think the way this, this schedule was structured this year, all of our get up games were on the road, right? I think this, this isn't really a home road split type of deal. This is a get up type of game type of deal. And when the chiefs know they got to get up for a game, which is going to be every single postseason game, they're going to get up for those games. Yep. They're going to get the intention. They're going to put all their all their focus. They're going to be solely ready for each each matchup they have in this postseason because they know it's win or go home. Um, it's I think that's just, that with the significance of the the games that we played on the road this year. I just think we happen to know that you know I know every coach, every player says you got to take it. You take every game the same. You approach every game the same every week. I don't believe that. I just think that's coach speak, player speak. There's a difference. <laughs> when you're facing Tom Brady or a Drew Brees than when you're playing a Drew Locke. Without question. There's just a difference. That's that Everyone knows that. You get up more for those games, and that's exactly what we did every single time. We went out there and we shredded that Tampa Bay defense because we know we're facing Tom Brady. Regardless of what you think of Tom Brady, that offense is great, and Tom Brady's been great this year. Against, that's it. against and, bad teams. Right. I'm just, nevertheless, it's still Tom Brady, still a guy that beat you in the AFC Championship game, and you have to respect that, and you know you need to go out there and put it on him. Uh, and that's what we did. We did that. In those, we did that. And every time we faced Lamar, you know, we put it on those teams. We get up for those games, and that's what I'm fully expecting. That kind of attitude, that kind of approach, heading into every single postseason game. We know we can overcome, you know, early blunders in a game. We know we can overcome turnovers, like we did in Miami. Turn the ball over four or five times, and you still come out with the W on the road. I mean, that's if that's not resiliency, if that's not a team you should trust, put all your chips in. Heading into the postseason, there's no other team that you know should have more trust in than the Chiefs heading into the postseason. That is it for me. Love it, man. We get multiple me, questions from me. we get multiple questions from Shaggy Shane. Are you kidding me, man? That's a that's a good week. That's a way to start a year off, in my opinion. TBH, guys. We have one more order of business to get to. Uh, I believe it's called. 
Hold this L! I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It's time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we like to finish off the show by handing out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. But I promise you, whoever, whatever team gets it, whatever player, whatever athlete, whatever F1 driver gets the L, we promise you they deserve that motherfucking L. So let's start with our guy, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, Eddie Ortiz. Who's holding the L for you this week, my man? All right, man. I'm going to go with my with my uh, team down in Mexico, man. My, my but The team that I root for, the team that I love. Uh, earlier this week, uh, they decided to sign uh, a European-style uh, head coach. I guess you can say European. He's Argentinian, but he's coached only in Spain, Real Madrid. Uh, now, he didn't have the best record in, uh, in Real Madrid. He wasn't the best. Uh, he was struggling he got fired obviously because he just couldn't do it he he struggled to to get acclimated and now my team decided to go out there and pay this dude big bucks during the pandemic and uh now they, they like i said they got paying big bucks he's not a proven uh head coach because he's only coach real madrid obviously real madrid uh, on its own it's a good team but he couldn't push him over the limit uh and now he's coming to our uh, to my team and hopefully it does good but man he like he just does not have the results be, like that backs him up and I don't know why my team's out there going signing dudes to these massive contracts and expecting results we don't have the team uh, to compete uh, we've gotten rid of so many players that we just need players to come in and he does not have a roster uh I don't see him succeeding in any way. Uh, his style is not the Mexican league at all. Uh, does, my team hired him just be, simply because of his name and who he is and where he comes from. Some clout. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going to have to hold, hold this L. L. All right. Well, my L is going to go to the NFL. Um, this isn't – I know this isn't a, a big deal for either side, it's more of just a downer kind of ill. Um, I don't know if you saw the NFL. This is this. I think there are two, two, two different times this happened to um, Alvin Kamara. But Alvin Kamara was fined uh, $5,000, I believe. Yeah, fine. he was fined $5,000 for wearing his Christmas colored cleats right. at the Christmas game. Um, I just 
I know it's five thousand dollars, and it's not a. That's I mean, that's literally he can that can fall out of his shoe, and he wouldn't even <laughs> literally know. fall out. Right, right. Of so red or green I'm just shoe. yeah, just for the optics of it, I just don't understand why you need to fight. Like at this point, uh, the way the world is, the way, and they've and they've allowed a lot of players to wear customized cleats on certain de- times and certain days. Yeah. Um, I mean, the my NBA, cause my cleats. Yeah, this is yeah. this is where I think the NBA needs to really start influencing, and I think it's going to get there. Because five thousand dollars is literally nothing. You blink and that's gone. And, the, and a lot of these players, it's the optics of it. Yeah, it's it's just that's why this is why the 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 coin phrase for the NFL, you know, the being the acronym for no fun league is is because of things like this. Stupid like, shit. Yeah, you're really gonna find somebody on Christmas Day on the Christmas game for wearing Christmas cleats. Like, meanwhile, Montrezl Harrell's wearing fur on. His shoes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, yeah, that was a strange. Yeah, <laughs> AD was getting into him for that, but um, yeah, I mean, uh. Just because it didn't match his jersey, really, like it's just that's some petty stuff. Um, yeah, I think he was fined over six thousand dollars in twenty seventeen for the same thing. Um, but I like what Camaro came out and said. He said, he "said if they find me whatever it is, I'll just match it and donate it to charity, which is cool." And then um, he goes, "You know, the Grinch always tries to steal Christmas." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. But he said, and then he said, "I guess that they were trying to." I guess, he goes, "I guess they were being nice this year." I didn't get anything for Christmas. I guess I'll, I'll count that as my Christmas gift. Huh. So it's all kind of fun and games. He flipped it on his head. Yeah, yeah. So it. he said, I'll match it and I'll donate it to charity, which good move by him. But just the fact that the NFL felt the need yeah. for the guy that just had, what, six touchdowns? Six touchdowns. In a single game on Christmas, during the Christmas game, in a, in a big game against the the the, um, the, the Vikings, you know, I I'm not surprised they didn't give him a random test. It's such a, yeah, right? It's such a, <laughs> down, well it's such a downer, man. Yeah, that's just such a... I mean, I know it's chump change to these guys, and it's this minuscule is possible. Yeah, I mean, I'll shit, I'll take that five thousand dollars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just got to get, I got to have have NFL hold that because it's just like you said, like I said, the optics of it is just no fun. Like you, it's Christmas time, and he's wearing Christmas themed cleats. Just had six touchdowns, best game of his career. Yeah, a young guy, you know, heading into the postseason, having they're sitting on top of the world right now with that performance. So I. Yeah, that's just a downer. I, there was, it's been a slow week for Ellis for the most part for me. Um, so, yeah, the NFL are going to have to do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. So I, I'm going to get a little greedy. Uh, I have a couple L's um, mm. that I want to hand out. It's holiday season, you know. It's holiday season, man. I'm going to throw out some gifts. Fuck it. Uh, well, I'm going to start, I'm gonna start with, the, with the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. Look, All man, right. I, I'm a big Twitter guy. And I believe that you know Twitter is actually the place where you want to go for the most authentic takes when it comes to the world of sports, in particular politics as well. Um, but mostly for for us here in our vein, it's the it's the world of sports. Um, it's a hot take world right now. And as I said earlier in the show, to start the show, that the Chiefs are the ones that you know you want to go at in order to get clicks these days because they're the best team. They're the representation. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. So you want to be taking – if you want to take contrarian, edgy takes against a team, it's definitely one you want to make it the Chiefs. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're going at something that's fair. If you want to tell me that the Chiefs aren't playing good football, so you're a little concerned, I'm not going to fight you on that because I understand that. They are not playing their best right now. But when you're attacking nicknames and trying to associate it to something that's going on in our world – Especially when that nickname predates the current structure of our world, you you lose me and you lose my respect. Speak for yourselves, Emmanuel Acho. Uh, screen grabbed the Kansas City Chiefs uh, post back on December twenty eighth when they said uh, with a picture of Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones in the tunnel at Arrowhead, saying, "Quote: 
the landlord pulls up to these guys to collect rent. What do you do? And Emmanuel Acho takes this and says, Attention social media teams. This is why diverse opinions and verbiage matters. I understand some call Tyron Matthew the landlord, but every possible implication of this tweet is utterly negative and perpetuates stereotypes. Let's all be better. Every possible implication of this tweet is utterly negative and perpetuates stereotypes? What fucking stereotypes are you talking about, Emmanuel? Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend as if I understand what it is to be a black man in our world and, and to be a black athlete where you're criticized and praised in ways that white athletes will never understand. But what are you talking about, dude? The, 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 the nickname has been going on for three years now. The pandemic's been going on in America since March. Like, to try to associate this with people losing their apartments or not being able to pay their mortgage, to me, is literally just starting a fire to acknowledge that there's a fucking fire. Hmm. Like, that, that doesn't... You shouldn't you shouldn't have said this, man. I know everyone's free to speak, you know, say what they want, and you know, it's a free speech world and all these other things. This was not something you should have said, man, because you literally started something out of nothing. And a man that I revere and respect and love and admire so much, BJ Kissel, initially went at Ocho a little bit about this. He 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 said that this was a significant reach. And the the worst part of all of this is it's not just what Emmanuel said. He then goes on to speak for yourself that very this very week and uses a rent uh, rent is due comment from an old quote from way back in the day. I don't even know where the quote came from, but it was in regards to Dwayne Haskins losing his job with the Washington football team. So how is it that that's okay? How is it that it's all right for, for, for Emmanuel Acho to use that in this time and context when it comes to rent and Dwayne Haskins losing his job? But it's not okay for the Chiefs to be using the landlord nickname from Tyron Matthew in a, in, a, in a context and post that has nothing to do with the pandemic. Right. Again, you're not only causing a problem, but you're then making yourself into a hypocrite. And I know that BJ talked about it. BJ Kissel talked about him and Emmanuel had a, had a talk off air or, you know, and private. They had a, a DM conversation. They had a conversation on the phone and he understood where Emmanuel's coming from and then Emmanuel understood where BJ's coming from. I still don't get it. I still don't understand the validity of any of this. And I think it's absolutely absurd. And I, quite frankly, I think it's insanely immature and reckless from Emmanuel Acho, who, by the way, is a former NFL player right. who should understand these things even better than us fans do. But for some reason, continues, continues to miss the mark on things like this. And I'm honestly just kind of flabbergasted by a man who has a degree in psychology, by the way, in Emmanuel Acho, to be able to miss the mark this, this badly mentally. So I'm just going to leave it there. I think it was absolutely stupid, and I know he can bounce back from this and more likely will, but I think this was absolutely stupid on his behalf. And so, therefore, my guy, Emmanuel Acho, is going to have to do me a favor, do me a solid, and hold this L. My second L. Man, when the Chiefs traded Alex Smith to to Washington for Kendall Fuller in a second-round pick, I said the, the Chiefs absolutely fleeced the Washington football team. You want to talk about getting fleeced? How about this? What if I was to come to you, Trevor? You're an executive of TV Network, and I said, hey, we'll trade you this spot for another spot, and you get the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in Week 17. And you say, hell yeah, let's do that shit. And then you find out the next day that Patrick Mahomes is getting arrested. That's right. (laughs) CBS agreed to trade the network rights for the Chiefs-Chargers game and flex it to 3.30 schedule on Fox. Fox said, hell yeah, let's fucking do this shit. 
And then Fox found out, oh, shit, we don't get Patrick Mahomes. We get Chad Hitty. (laughs) Woo! Now, I guess they could take it as a positive. They get Justin Herbert, and he has been a hot commodity. But you're not getting Herbert Mahomes, and that really sucks. So I'll make that one brief. You got fleeced. (laughs) Do me a favor and hold hold this this L. L. And I am going to end the show with something real quick. I want to actually give out a W. I want to give out a W. To each and every one of these the, the listeners and everyone that's out there. I don't want to make this too general. I do want to make this personal to our listening audience. I, I I can't imagine what a lot of you have gone through this year. I know Trevor and I, we've had we've had some shit, man, go down this year that's been very tough for us. Not even about sports related anything. It's it's personal matters that have been tough for us and we've pushed through and it's been a rough, rough year for us. But honestly, if we're gonna be totally truthful here, Trevor and I could have it much worse. Uh, we've been able to, to to keep work. You know, we've been able to be healthy. We've been able to not have a lot of problems, a lot of people, and a lot of issues that a lot of people are facing and continue to face. It isn't like all that just goes away now that it's 2021. It's still very real. But 2020 was very rough. And if you're listening to this, you got through it. You made it through, man. And and, and let's be real. The Chiefs are 14-1, and one, and they look like they're very well going to win another Super Bowl. So things are good, but things have been rough, man. And I want to give a W to each and every one of you that made it through 2020 because I know a lot of people out there deal with a lot of mental illnesses. And, you know, this type of pandemic, you know, makes you feel even more alone and even more isolated and even more as if there's no hope. But here we are. We're still alive. We're still kicking. We're still getting through this. And so we're all you guys out there, all of our listeners and viewers and all of our friends and family out there, man, that made it through this year. Consider that a win, man. And I, w- I just wanted to take this time to remind you of that victory because that is an absolute victory because this was the toughest year of my life. And I think that all of us, for the most part, that's o- under the age of 88 that may have gone through some sort of depression or horrible disease back in the 40s and 50s, this was by far the roughest year of our lives, and we got through it. So, damn it, we need to be proud of ourselves. And if you have a beer – Take a chug of that real quick. I know Binkley's got one. No, he's definitely chugging <laughs> one as we speak. But you guys, if any of you guys are out there, realize that this is something monumental. This was not easy. It was an election year too. I know that was probably a lot of stress for a lot of people too because you didn't know where the future of our where our, the future of our country was coming from. We have a vaccine coming out. You know, there's a lot of moving parts, man. But one thing is consistent. We've had each other. We've had our teams. We've had sports for the most part over this year, and. I'm only hoping that 2021 can be so much better because it can only get better from this point on. So I just want to thank you guys, and I wanted to hand that W to you guys, and I appreciate each and every one of you. We mean that when we say that each and every week. And uh, I'm just going to leave it right there, man. So thank you guys America. so much. America, yeah, exactly. America. Wherever you're listening. Uh, but, yes, uh, for episode 97, man, uh, for all you guys, for Jay Binkley, thank you so much, man, for being here with us. Uh, we really, really appreciated him coming on, and we're definitely going to have him on in the future as the playoffs are about to – Take place, man. I hope you guys are excited. I know I'm excited as shit, man. Whether the Chiefs are playing great football or not, they are still the team to beat. Patrick Mahomes is still the best player in the world. And they're about to show you motherfuckers why that is. And they're going to remind everybody that's doubting them why that is. For Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Jay Binkley, for KCPN as a whole, I'm Lance Twidwell. Episode 97 of the Spoken Podcast is done. Finito. We out of this bitch. Love you all.
We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>